Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It's that time of the week again. The Rugby League rant fifth and last. Put on your headgear, chuck in your mouth guard and get ready for an hour of nothing but NRL talk. Brock, I finally get to say it, but thank fuck, Rugby Leg is back. Seriously, thank God. Thank God. Of all the weeks and all the bits and pieces and we've had to scrounge through and there's been so much rubbish and negativity and crap on the TV and papers and bits and pieces. We're back. We're back. Oh, we are back. All right. Run through uh, any of the news stories that have kind of happened in the week leading in. Then we'll do a bit of a redo of our season preview and our ladder. A couple of uh, slight changes and some predictions, given the fact that obviously the season has been reformatted. We're down to 20 rounds. There's no origin mid-season, so that makes a bit of a difference possibly on our thoughts as far as who we want in and out of our ladders and their uh, finishing positions. Um, And then tips and a bit of a preview, I guess, Boxhead heading into that first round. Yep, sounds good. Let's get it on. So going through some of the stuff that's happened during the week, I think the first one I want to bring up, uh, this one more because it's been done to death, but it's definitely a talking point, is the John Bateman situation. Obviously, plenty been swirling around about the possibility of him uh, moving on from the Canberra Raiders or looking for an upgrade, uh, all the news there. Basically, he tried to deny it. He got into James Hooper, got into a few people, but where there's smoke, there's fire. And as always, you've got to assume it's a manager in, in this situation. After leaving his English manager to join Isaac Moses, I would not be surprised at all if that is the case. But basically, dropped his old manager, went with Isaac Moses, tried to get more money, knocked back an extension from the Raiders, and now basically trying to seek the exact same money that they knocked back last year again now. Yeah, look, the only person to blame in all this is either Bateman's manager or Bateman. Like, he, he hijacked or tried to hijack grand final week last year. Um, you know, he, he's come out and hammered James Hooper this week for being a shit journalist. Like, he's called him a shit journalist because Hooper's got it right. He's got it bang on. And, you know, whether Bateman asked for a release or his manager asked for a release, it's irrelevant because... Bateman's manager is an extension of John Bateman. He represents you. So I can't believe that, um, A, you know, it's got this much publicity, and, and B, the fact that you just won't own it. We go, you know, I'm just going to test you out the market. Um, you know, I, I, I don't understand why, it's, why he's been so upset about the fact that this has leaked 
doubt. It's, it's always going to leak out. Um, it's, it's, it's unreal in my mind. And, you know, like if he wants to explore his options, you know, he's, he's gone about it the right way. He's asked the club for permission. All power to him. If he, if he wants to go and get more money elsewhere and Canberra happy to let him go, that's fine. But don't get upset that people are then going to have an opinion on that. Because essentially, you're unhappy with the amount of money that you signed for originally, and you then want to get more money. So from my perspective, that's not Canberra's problem. That's a John Bateman problem. And that's a, a management problem. So it's, it's, it's been a frustrating one, and it probably is just an extension of where we're at as a game in regards to player managers, player movement, and the overall uh, value of a contract. They mean zipper. So I'd really like to see Peter Landis um, and the, ARL, uh, the NRL Commission come out and and let's let's put some protocol in place that just stop the circus that we've had. Uh, now it's it's been going on now almost a decade. Let, let's be realistic. Uh, it probably kicked off when Sonny Williams um, sort of jumped on the jumped on the plane. I mean Anthony Mundine did it as well. That they were rarities back then. But you know it seems like every at least every fortnight we've got a story like this, don't we? Someone wanting out, and someone thinks they should be on more money and. Um, you know, we went through the Ryan Madison was probably the, the, the one last season, and that was that dragged on through the finals. So uh, it's not as though these are um, standalone issues. It's becoming a, a widespread problem throughout the game. I'm not sure what your thoughts are on it, but uh, yeah, that, that's sort of where I'm at. The only bit I will give him, he has a clause that he can renegotiate at the end of every year, but there's nothing saying that Canberra it's has just to. With Canberra. Yeah, and that's my point. But there's nothing to say that Canberra has to pay any more than they have to. He also needs to take into consideration they paid two hundred thousand or so dollars to get him there, so yeah, they've already paid out of their pocket. Also, that's a very fair point. So in, on the, on the part of coming back to them after one really good season, where yeah, you've won back row of the year. Good on you. Like, you know, you've had a ripper season, you've started off, but it's year two in the NRL. You're coming off shoulder surgery. They've paid an exorbitant amount of money to get you here. You've knocked back an extension that they made, and now you want that money and then some after you've been in a grand final and they've extended other guys that were willing to take deals at the time. So, if anything, I'm probably saying, well, you know, good on Canberra for probably having the gumption or the patience in this whole situation to kind of stay quiet, let him nego- negotiate elsewhere and, and, and kind of keep things on the down low because under the surface, if I was Ricky Stewart or I was the club, I'd be pretty frustrated, in all honesty, if I've gone to all this trouble to get him over here. It's panned out very, very well. They haven't paid him unders to start with. He's almost on 600000 He's reportedly on five eighty, going on to 600 next year. And, and then on top of all this off, I don't think he's worth 800000 no, I wouldn't pay him eight hundred thousand. Um, uh, I think a bad team will. Yeah, that's my point. Uh, like a bad, a bad, team, a bad yeah. team will, but at what price? He just went to a grand final first season. That's not going to happen. No argument. No yeah. argument out of me. None. Zero. Totally agree with Bulldogs, Dragons. Even if you're like, it, it doesn't matter who it is. If one of those teams or the Warriors or someone goes, "Yep, here's eight hundred grand." Well, guess what? I hope you like fucking not playing finals football and not going to grand finals. Well, yeah, no, that's that's terrible. Like he's. You know, an extra 15 to 20% of your pay packet, realistically, 
what you want professionally? Or, or does it, is, is, is it about success and the legacy, I guess, that you're going to leave? And your legacy is going to be much stronger if you stay in Canberra. And on the flip side, I give part to, you know, he's from Bradford. He's had a tough upbringing. He had a, a daughter very early and he said time and time again, he doesn't give a, basically a shit what anyone thinks about him. He loves playing football and he does everything he does for his daughter. He wants to be able to pay for a future. I get all those bits and pieces, but surely, surely this experience would be all the more sweeter if he stayed at Canberra for 600 or if they squeeze him and they said the year after with an extension and added maybe two years on instead of a brand new four-year deal elsewhere for 650, 700 if they're willing to go there. Surely those couple of hundreds, a hundred thousand dollars he can make up later back in England where you can, you know, extend your career. And I know nothing's guaranteed. He could get injured between now and then. Something could change. Canberra could go down the gurgler. But I tell you what, from a bloke who's come from an experience over there at Wigan where winning is just second nature to landing in Canberra in the situation he's in right now, I'd be staying. I wouldn't be going to the Bulldogs. I wouldn't be going to the Dragons. Uh, there's no way I'd be get taking off to any of those places unless purely the best contract and the biggest contract is your goal, in which case, like you said, I, I'd say for the next four years, um, he's going to be very unhappy. Yeah, agree. Uh, could, could the Bulldogs turn it around moving forward? Potentially, but I, I don't see it in the next 12 months. If they, no, no. If they got him and Luke Thompson, uh, is foreign able to stay healthy? I highly doubt it. There's some good young players there, but there's definitely not anything that I'm staring at right now saying the Bulldogs will play finals next year. The Dragons, it would basically be a swap for Frizzell, but they've still got the same problem. They're super top-heavy in their halves, their forwards, no depth on the bench or their outside backs, and the coaching situation's unstable. Um, and the Warriors of the Titans, again, in, in 12 months or so, I don't see it turning around. So he's got some serious things to weigh up, but I think, again, back to your point, the manager's the frustrating part in all this. He's switched managers to Isaac Moses. He's trying to get his payday. The new deal will be the way that he gets his cut of this deal. And essentially, this this extension was already offered. And now they've come back to the table. Uh, you know, basically. Yeah, and exactly. And Canberra spent it elsewhere. And what do, you, what do you want them to do? Like, that's football 101. And when you, win, when you go to a grand final, that needs to happen. They found Bailey Simonson. They extended their captain, Croker. They've got Papali and a bunch of other guys around their squad. Like, this is just the natural occurrence when you have success. There's got to be mouths that need to be fed. They've done the smart thing and they've locked up multiple players rather than one, and he's come back to the table a bit too late. So he's either going to have to take the extension after the current deal in a season's time, which could potentially be two years on top for a bit more money, or like they said, if he can find something ridiculous, Don Furness said he'd drive him there. <laughs> Yeah. It's not an individual sport. No. It's, a, it's a team sport, and there's a lot more that goes into player wages from a club perspective than uh, the needs and wants of one player. Simple as that. On the flip Especially side, of... when we're talking about you know a period of time of two games through a season. Yeah. He hasn't played. He's under contract, he's under contract for what, another two on top of this year? He's got next year, I think, is his last season. But, like, to okay, be. So this year plus another one, you know. I, I realistically don't think the players should be able to negotiate until they're in the final year of their deal. Well, if he didn't have that clause, he wouldn't be able to, but I just. Yeah, no, no but that's not right. You know yourself. That, that, that happens all the time. 
Oh, how we know. Years of Ryan, how many years did Ryan Madison have to run off his deal? Oh, he still had two years to go. There you go. So he signed a three-year deal. It's irrelevant. How, how long they've got to go on their, their contract is irrelevant if they're unhappy. Yeah, it was a three-year deal, apparently closer to a million over the three years, but they knew after borderline playing origin they could potentially get five, 600. So manager makes the push. The player distance themselves, but as you said, at the end of the day, whether you're saying it with your own mouth or you're just playing it off like you don't know what's going on, like ignorance is. Story, I think it's a perfect time, like perfect case for free agency. Just to say, righto, at the end of this year, I'm requesting to become a free agent. Canberra go, no worries, and we have a period of seven days or, or whatever, and, and all the circus happens then. Yeah, well, something needs to be brought no, no, in. That's how, I, that's how I'd like to do it. I'd like to formalise it because I, I do believe that that'll extend the rugby league season, uh, similar to how the NFL do the draft and yeah. free agency and all the, all the things that they do. It just becomes a part of, of the rugby league year. Yeah. Oh, awesome. At the moment, I just don't think at this point in time, in the lead up to round one or, or round three, but the recommencement of the 2020 season, and also during grand final week last year, that it's something that we should be talking about during those times. The focus should be on yeah, I'm not disagreeing with it at all. And I think the bigger part to come out of all this again needs to go back to player agents, that whole structure, and, and a bit of a reform. And again, Volandis and this new setup have been kicking ass and taking names. This is one of those things, I guess, not really on the horizon right now, but when things settle down a little bit. Yeah, once things settle down, this needs to be addressed because the managers for too long now, along with the players, are causing too much drama mid-season and at clubs and a bit of unrest. Contracts do need to mean something, and if not, we do need some other things put in place, like you said. But uh, some managers in particular, more so than others, and in particular, we know the bloke, Isaac Moses, he's, this is not the first place uh, he's caused a bit of drama, have way too much power in the game. Yeah. But moving on from the Bateman thing, Brock, next thing off the rank, uh, the referees, we went through all that last week. And obviously, they've had a resolution to that situation this week. We are back to one referee. Uh, there's been some bits and pieces come out over the last few days that some of the senior referees uh, basically sold out the junior referees, and they're not too happy. <laughs> yeah. It's ugly, isn't it? People just crawling for positions in the end, really. Uh, but hopefully, this creates... Well, I think it's going to create more quality across the board and, and that's what we need from an officiating perspective we need uh, less is sometimes more in terms of quality that's for sure and I think that's what we're going to see so you know the, the referees the focus shouldn't be on the referees at the moment either I have the same sentiment towards them as I do towards John Bateman the, the focus shouldn't be on them we should be talking about rugby league and um you know, let's let's focus on on the positive, and uh, I think the referees will do a good job. We've got enough good referees. But when we get ourselves into trouble, is when we have sixteen spread across uh, eight games. I think with this current format, you can definitely have your best eight out there, and then you can potentially have use uh, the same touch judges twice. As I've, as I've said previously, I just I just think that's the best model. You need to have your best people officiating. If that means you're going to do two games, well, that means you're going to do two games. Paying twice as much, I don't, I don't care what it takes. Uh, but, but I think less is more. You, there should be 
as I've said on previous weeks, uh, podcast that there should be um, incentives for referees to perform, and there should be incentives for uh, our best referees. Yeah, I don't disagree with you either. I've said the same thing. Uh, obviously, if there's more quality and there's scales on what you do, whether it be being the touch judge or being the referee, etc., that you know you have the potential to earn whatever their top dollar is in their current CBA, whether that be three hundred thousand dollars or if it's you know running one of those touch judges for the whole year or running a touchline the whole time, you might end up in the low hundreds. I don't know, but yeah, it doesn't, um, it doesn't matter. Everyone, I think the big thing, and like I said, everyone last week. They're already the villain nine times out of ten, the poor referees, but the players are taking a haircut, clubs are taking a haircut. A lot of people are affected by it. There's staff members that have been made redundant, moved on. There's a lot of stakeholders outside of the game because of coronavirus that can't make their share or they're not making a living out of it. So I think the last thing anyone really wanted to see was the referees being the reason uh, the game didn't start, but they got on board pretty quick. And as was said at the start by Peter Volandis, no one was going to lose their job as far as all the full-time as we're concerned and if it doesn't work out they'll review it at the end of the season and they might go back to two so yeah. um, I, I don't know I don't know let's just get on with it yeah we move on from that one and speaking of Peter Bellini's again uh, he's made some big comments as we've moved through all these steps but he's hit all these markers and anyone as they've said has gotten his way he's been run down by a Mack truck he's now talking about how soon we can get crowds back and I think as with everything some people in the media from different uh, sports or different bits and pieces were offended and thought that was a pretty outlandish comment. But as usual, um, I think he's been realistic in the sense he's not asking to fill a a 30,000-seat stadium ASAP in a week's time. But if they can get some members or they can get some corporates or sponsors or some bits and pieces socially distanced in a stadium or some people... If he wanted to have crowds this weekend, he could. Within the rules. There's no reason why he couldn't say, uh, pick, you know, 50 or 100 uh, members from each team um, and put them in the stadium. Absolutely no reason he could. You could have 200 people within within the stadium, so they could easily do that. So, the, again, they, they peep, the journalists at the moment, or some journalists, I shouldn't say all, but they grab a headline and just run with it. And they don't, they don't read all the content. He, as you said, he's not he's not talking about filling stadiums. He's talking about hopefully being able to get our sponsors and our most loyal fans in uh, to have that boutique experience. I, I think it's a fantastic idea. Yeah, well, if you can do everything within their biosecurity plan, which is the whole point, like you said before, everything would be done within that. How is it any different to going to a restaurant? It is no different, except you don't, a pub. you don't it's get actually safer in a stadium. You don't you get be tested be before you go into a pub distance. or a restaurant. What's that? So you, exactly, and you wouldn't be tested before you walked into a pub, a restaurant, or a cafe like they're going to do if they do get people back into these stadiums. Are they going to test people? They're going to have the biosecurity plans all part of it. So if they have to test people's temperatures or do something to have a limited amount of people, I don't understand why you'd have to do that if they're not coming into contact with the players. Well, I think, again, just with well, For example, if you said at Bank West, right, that you were going to let oh, just a, a, a random number, say 5,000 people in, okay? Why couldn't they just say that the, the crowd has to um, arrive before the players come out, which seems realistic to me? They can stay while the, um, obviously while, while the game's on. Um, and then they, they just leave as normal right? and put them in the upper tier, have them nowhere near the players. 
yeah, I don't know. I, I don't see how this isn't um, something that we're going to move towards within you know the next few months. It may take longer uh, than what we think, depending on how things go and how the virus statistics trend. But we've got to get back to normal. As a country, we've got to get back to normal. We've got to try and stop this notion of trying to handcuff everyone down and wanting to chop everyone down who wants to actually get back to normal. In the end, there's less than 500 active cases in Australia right now of a population of 25 million. So we've kicked its ass from a from a health perspective. And look, I pray to God that that, that number doesn't jump back up. And if it does... Clearly, there's going to be no room for people to attend matches. No argument. But people also need to remember that in round one, when we had full stadiums, there was a larger infection rate then than what there is right now. And we're going to have no crowds. So, you know, just let's let's support um, not only the NRL, but every business that wants to try to get back to normal. If you don't want to go, you don't think it's safe, don't go. But I don't see why people, just because they have an opinion of their own, try and enforce that opinion and make try and make it just a blanket opinion that everyone has to agree with, uh, you know, their philosophy on how to deal with this virus. Um, I, I don't mind the idea that, that's been floated to, to let the sponsors in and maybe say to your top 100 fans, uh, longer-serving members, give them the option to attend games. I, I think it would be a fantastic idea. If not, I'd say do a lottery for your members that you have to enter a ballot and have many numbers and they draw out 100 and yeah, they can I'd go. like to see us reward our, um, our longest serving. Yeah, I've got no disagreement uh, yeah, look, with I'm, you. I'm but you can't Titans do that every member, week. But I'm, I'm a non-ticketed Titans member, so um, I've, I've been a member there for, I don't know, however long there's been memberships. But uh, So I'd be, a, I guess, a long-serving member. I certainly wouldn't be the longest-serving member. But I'm not ticketed. If they said to me, "Look, you, you can't go to games," but you know we're going to have the these 100 member, I'd, good. Get people in the stadiums. Reward people for being long-serving members. We need to incentivise um, and and make it, I guess, attractive to be a member. Yeah, well, I don't disagree with you, but I'm just saying in general, you can't have the same 100 people every week. So if they did that early on no, no, that's not, yeah, yeah, at the I relaunch get, okay, and then they did ballots, if it's, say, only 100 people and then as the rules get eased, they keep doing ballots to meet social distancing yeah. or the numbers they have to do. But I guess at the end of the day, the big thing, and they've already brought this up, it still all has to fall into guidelines with their social distancing and their biosecurity plan. So... If that means these dirty zones and clean zones and how they transition them from the bus into the grounds, the sheds, the field, if that means that there's only a certain amount of external staff allowed in the ground and that doesn't account for security, which then means you obviously couldn't have people, well, then I guess they can't have crowds. But I, I think yeah, that's... Let's make this very clear that no one... You're talking... The biosecurity measures are around the people who are going to come into close contact with the players. The crowd will not come into close contact with the players at all. No, but the security the security is what I'm saying, or whoever the external, the extras may be, are going to have to be taken into account for. So I think that was more the point he was getting at today or when he spoke about it. He's not talking about suddenly just opening the stadiums back up, but if they no, can get obviously. if they can get anyone anyone back in, it's going to have to fall within 
their biosecurity plan. So as long as they can keep the players separate from all that, and would that oh, mean... Of course they can. That's very doable. Yeah. Would that mean they can have concessions or no concessions because of, you know, what they need to adhere to inside the stadium? I don't know. But if you told me tomorrow that we could go watch a game of football, enter a ballot for 100 people or 500 people or whatever it may be at the time, but you can't get beers or you can't go get food, you're just going there to watch the game and go, I'd still go. <laughs> Yeah, I find that strange because before before uh, all this happened, you never went to games. No, I go a couple of times a year, and I go yeah. to the finals in the Oregon. I like it, to me. I, I don't mind. I, the biggest thing for me is that the game's back on, and I can watch the game. Like if you say to me you can't go to a game this year, well, okay, that sucks, but okay, because I've got the game back. Uh, I, you know, I do think we need to reward our longest serving members, our sponsors. The people who have helped the game through during this um, current period, let you know, help our nurses, invite all the all our public health workers, you know, the people who you value as essential workers, supermarket workers, give them a uh, the option to go and uh, watch a game during this period. Uh, oh, I don't care how they want to go about it, but um, yeah, I certainly don't think it should be something that is uh, is a negative headline or that people want to, uh, I guess, slap down. But, again, that, that seems to just be the rhetoric that some members of the media just want to uh, peddle at the moment. And I'm sick of, I'm sick of talking about it. I'm sick of giving those wankers oxygen. Uh, because they, they just want to... They, their whole agenda is to kick rugby league. Um, and, unfortunately, we keep talking about it. Uh, they can kick rugby league all they want, but it's only really going to matter as long as we give it oxygen. So, as a game, I'd just say ignore them, push on. Um, we're the first to we're first to come back. Let's be the first to get the crowds in, crowds back in, and let's get it done ASAP, providing it's safe. Yep, well, it'll be an interesting development as we move closer. But again, they're talking about July. Uh, whether that be the start of the July, whether that be mid July, there's another month in between now and then. So. I'm sure they'll run through what they need to run through and hopefully they do get some people back in like you're speaking about, whether that be members, corporate, sponsors, people that have supported the game um, in some form or capacity. And we'll move on again, Boxhead. A uh, bit of news, bit of it yesterday and a little bit today about Kalen Ponga. After talk, obviously, prior to COVID and all these bits and pieces about looking to become an all-black or your rugby union and all these bits and pieces, uh now supposedly a four- or five-year deal potentially to stay at Newcastle, but on up to $1.1 million. Big coin. Massive coin. Massive coin. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, I think it's a wait and see. O- on best form and best performance, he's worth every dollar of that. Um, but, uh, yeah, he's, he's going to have to... You need to be an elite player and a consistently elite player, so... Uh, yeah, I don't have an issue with him earning that much money. Again, go back to the fact that he was talking about All Blacks and talking about Rugby Union. That's just classic manager manager talk and uh, trying to bump the price up. Uh, in the end, you want to go play for the All Blacks, go. <laughs> because, you know, Rugby Union's a, a, in a much more dour financial situation than what Rugby League is at the moment, so... Uh, if that's if that's what you want to do in your heart of hearts, go for it. Uh, but don't use it as a bargaining tool. Yeah. If you, if you really want to go, and it means so much to you, it wouldn't wouldn't matter what Newcastle offer. 
Uh, so all, all that talk again is just horseshit. Uh, you know, one point one million. It's a lot of money. I'm not sure any player in our game is worth a million dollars with a with a nine point nine million dollar salary cap. Uh, I guess with third parties, you can definitely get over a, a million. But I think on the cap, you know, there'd be probably a handful of players I'd feel comfortable paying that much money to. Um, and, you know, they'd want to win you a handful of games by themselves pretty much every year to demand that sort of money. Um, but, you know, I, I think to to keep Caleb Ponga 1.1, yeah, like, again, it goes back to probably what I originally said. You, you need to be consistently elite to demand that sort of money. And, you know, if he is, he's going to be worth every dollar. If he isn't, you know, there's going to be those murmurs about uh, a bust and, you know, overpaid and all that sort of stuff. But he's he's been paid it and he's entitled to it and um, he's certainly shown enough to to show, you know, both the rugby league world and the Newcastle Knights that he, he can live up to that sort of price tag. So he's just he's an exciting player to watch, great player to watch. Seems like a pretty level-headed kid so um, or young man. So, yeah, all power to him. Good on him. I hope everything goes goes well for him, and we're not, you know, talking about him being a bust or overpaid and all that sort of stuff. You'd rather see guys that are on that sort of money playing their best footy. Yeah, I totally agree, and I think Newcastle took the risk the first time, and everyone said they were crazy to pay that money did originally. Uh, you yeah. think after the first season when he ended up being as good as he was and playing Origin since then that they got their money's worth on the six hundred thousand or so that he got early. So whether you could say, you know, he you know, he was paid on potential to start with, but now open market, his age, the character, sponsorship, all the things that seem to probably gravitate towards him. Um, do I think one point one like, you know, we're we're making hundreds of thousands of dollars or fifty thousand dollars or whatever here, like purely on a cap perspective. I'd probably feel a lot more comfortable pushing more to the nine hundred sort of area, but again, uh, if Newcastle don't have the third parties and they're happy to pay that sort of money, you know, I have no doubt that he'll be getting some third parties and other bits and pieces around it. But like you said, I guess now we will see whether truly he does take the next step. Is he going to be that great? Because we've seen enough glimpses and we've seen enough potential. He's certainly a hell of a player, but I wouldn't say right now if you're going to compare him consistently or week-to-week-wise to say a Tedesco or a Roger Tuovasashek you know, no, he's not quite there yet. I don't think he's quite on their level. But, but if he also doesn't have as much experience as those guys. No, so. and you, you again, if you hit the open market, you'd be sure that someone else would probably come up with the million dollars or the whatever, the 1.1 or some third parties to get around that field yeah. if the salary cap is going to stay the way it is. And as was basically said by Peter Valenti, he's going to do everything in his power. And there was words yesterday from his mouth again basically saying as much that with the money in this TV deal that's imminent, that the salary cap they would basically be looking to not touch and there'll be a meeting coming up with the ARLC soon to tick that off and the club grants and all that. But it looks like for the players that their long-term contracts and financial security and the salary cap will be secure more than likely. It's actually going to get better because I'm hearing that they're going to cut players out of the top 30. So it's actually going to be 9.9 across less players. Which means they can actually get a bump. Wow. So well, if that if that pans out, you don't really know. But I don't agree know, with this that. Is, this is where the forgotten man in all this is Nathan Brown. Did a fantastic job to get Caleb Ponga, and 
you know, made the gamble and it's paid off. Uh, gambled that he would be an elite NRL player and that's exactly what he is. And, you know, he, he took him right out from underneath the Cowboys and, you know, throw him in the Cowboys side at the moment or throw him in the Cowboys side, you know, for the last two seasons. Uh, he would have made a significant difference to them. So uh, credit to Nathan Brown. That's That's a decision that made to find a decade for Newcastle. That's one that he got spot on. Yeah, not disagreeing on the on the cap thing. I heard similar to you. I, I don't agree with cutting players out. I think with the way no, I don't either. Top twenty fives, too many years gone by. We've said if they have injuries, they're struggling. They used yeah. to have match payments or people outside or these development deals. I think the squads need to be bigger if we're going to develop more players and potentially expand in the future. So. I, I don't like the idea of getting smaller than the top 30 plus the development deals. I think the way that has developed in the last year or two is the correct way we should be doing things. Yeah. So. I, don't, I don't disagree. I'm a great advocate for having 40 full-time players in each club because in my eyes, you know, that's the only way we're going to get to a point where we can comfortably expand because you need to have more players exposed to full-time training and that professionalism for long periods of time to ensure that you've got the depth and quality across every club in order to then filter players out to expansion teams. They're not going to... They're going to pull NRL players from out under a rock. So if if expansion really is on the horizon and is something that the NRL is looking at, then they need to ensure that they've got as many full-time players within each club roster as possible. Yeah, I don't disagree with you. I just, yeah, I heard similar to you and I thought, to me, that's crazy to shrink it now, pay up the contracts and, and get a bit thinner. The, the, the setup now needs to stay as is. There has to be the 30 yeah, spots. But plus again, we're speculating. Let's, let's see what the details are when they come out and then we can comment. Yep. Uh, just a little bit of information on the game day situation. They've announced that the 21-man squads will be named, so similar to what we've had the last couple of years where they cut it during the week, but in this situation now, obviously, given uh, the biosecurity measures and other bits and pieces on game day, they're still going to have 20 in the squad if anyone is to fail uh, temperature testing or any pre-screening tests before entering the ground or the clean zone, as they like to call it, they'll yep. be able to call on one of those three players. So, like it. Yeah. It's a great move. Smart, given the situation, they're not going to take any risks. They're not going to have anybody turn up with the flu, even if it's not COVID or anything else. Spread it through any groups. Uh, it's going to be weird, I guess, if you, you get to a game and there's a, a big clash and somebody who you know may not have anything bar just a bit of a head cold, but if their temperature's over, say like a Cameron Smith for a Melbourne or a Papalia for a Canberra game or someone gets pulled out the last minute because of that, certainly going to have an implication on the game, but... Um, oh, definitely. But again, that's the world we're living in at the moment. These are the measures they were willing to take. So, You know um, the one disappointing thing that I think we've really missed in all this lay-down period and the changing of those rules is not implementing the 18th man. For concussion? Uh, yeah. Yeah, it still needs to come in. Have, I think it would have been a, a really, really good time to do that, to implement that for the rest of this year, particularly with the changes that we've made, going back to one referee and, you know, we're going to speed the game up, uh, which which I think, you know, the philosophy is obviously it's going to open the game up a little bit. I think in some sections you're going to see a faster game. In some sections you're going to see a slower game because you're going to see uh, more fatigue, I, I think. And, look, we don't know that for sure. That's just my personal opinion. 
particularly for periods where the ball's in play and you've got a lot of six agains and you know, you're not having those penalty stoppages and kicks uh, for touch and taps and so on. So the, I think the the actual fatigue and the demand on the players is going to be slightly higher. So I'm not sure what sort of impact that's going to have on collisions and, you know, the incidence of, of concussion. But I just think it was a really... It, it's, an, it's a missed opportunity. It's certainly not a, not a criticism because the NRL's had a whole heap of things on their plate. But I just think in the current climate and the fact that we've made a few other changes uh, that some people would argue are overdue, I really do think it would have been a good time to look at that 18th man, particularly now when you're saying that they're going to carry 20 on game day anyway. Uh, So you're going to have the players there. Um, uh, Yeah, I I would have liked to have seen it implemented this year, but it's certainly... Um, not something I'm going to jump up and down about. I just think it's it's a small missed opportunity. I would say. Yeah, uh, I yeah, I, we started using it obviously for the junior rep stuff, and they've looked at it and all that. I think it was a great idea because if you lose someone, you know, through well, we, lost. we 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 actually used it three two or three weeks in a row. We used it three out of the five games from my memory. There you go. So and look at the start of the year. Uh, I asked a lot of questions about it, and I read a lot into the rules around it. Um, because I just wanted to be prepared if it happened. And, um, you know, me, like with my interchange plans, I have every every scenario sort of planned for, but there are even times there when, you know, there was a, there was a back end of one game where it got triggered and um, we were able to get a fresh number nine on the field. And it, it almost won us the game. Uh, and, and it was also about who you play in that position. Who, do, who is actually the best man for your team to be that 18th man? Um, when you consider, you know, if a fullback goes out, do I have cover? If a winger goes out, do I have cover? Centre. And you go through every every person on your team and you, and you work out, okay, if, if he goes down, how do I cover it? And that sort of formulates your plan around, you know, who, who that 18th man becomes and, you know, the pros and cons around, if they do get activated, the, the influence that they can have on your team and, and on the game overall. So, yeah, opportunity missed, but um, hopefully it's something that they look at in the future because I, I, I certainly want to see it at least tested. Maybe they could do it at the end of the year with some games that are dead rubbers and, and just see how it goes. Yeah, I really like the idea that we had in there when they used it this year. I thought it worked really well, and in particular, like you said, in this current environment. Uh, with all the changes that have already been made or the new things that have been adjusted heading back into this relaunch season, that that would have been probably a good time to trial that out as well. But nevertheless, uh, probably probably the last bit of news kind of got here or one of the bigger points uh, obviously came out today. Could have started with it, but again, everyone's flogged it like a dead horse, I guess, this afternoon. We'll hear more moving forward. Bronson Cherry. Yeah. Uh, a really, really, really hard one. And look, we don't know whether this is intentional, whether it's a mistake. Uh, he had a shoulder reconstruction in October. He's tested positive in November. They're saying, and the speculation in the media at the moment is that he's tested positive to five different types of yeah. steroid. 
Uh, it's seeming speculation, or has that been released in a statement by the NRL? No, I don't know if it's so much the NRL, but the details of the substance. No, I know the NRL released a statement this afternoon saying that he yeah. stood down. I was at work I'm until. I'm not sure whether the yeah me either, mate. I haven't actually read the statement. I, I did see the statement flash up. I know that they have released the statement. They've confirmed that he's been stood down pending that uh, the B sample. But it's hard to imagine that if, if they're saying that he's tested positive to five different yeah. substances, steroids, etc., that, that the B sample is going to be any different. It's not a one-off. It's not a small thing. It's not just elevated no. testosterone. It seems like this was a plan or a set regiment, uh, a regiment that was being followed. Yeah. So if yeah, that is the case... It's intentional and not accidental, and that's certainly not fact. We don't know that as fact. That's important to note for yeah. those people who are going to listen to the show at a point in time where more information may be uh, available and there'll be more clarity around this issue. Uh, but, but I think the, the the bigger point here is, you know, a young man, 19 years of age, uh, a, a fantastic career, just beginning and just starting, and he showed us last year how much ability he's had, or sorry, he has, uh, you know, and I hear... People at the CHS level, like working in a senior college and being very close to a lot of those sports high schools and talking to their coaches and obviously having relationships with them through junior at football and, you know, all the, all the rugby league that they're were, were involved in at a junior level, he was one name that they said, like, this kid is a beast. He's going to be a first grader. Uh, and, and you know yourself, that, that names like that, there might be one a year out of, you know, your Harold Matthews, your SG ball and all your schoolboy carnivals. There's, there's always that one name, isn't there? You know, Dave Fafita was, was, was a name a couple of years ago. Yeah. Bronson Cherry was certainly the name last year. We've got Joseph Sawali who's on the way now at yeah, Souths. Yeah, Look, there's yeah, always somebody. Um, so they're probably three three that fit straight into that category and Bronson Cherry was certainly that. Payne Haas was the same coming through. Yeah. You, you knew he was coming. Yeah, and then they look at the impact that they've all had on the NRL. Uh, it's it's just a terrible, terrible mistake. Um, look, I have zero sympathy for him in terms of the accountability that he has to, um, I guess, take here in, in his actions because you need to be accountable for your actions and that's what we teach you know, our youth and that's what we teach players and they're, they're certainly well-educated and they know that they need to report and they know that they should be checking everything that goes into their body. No argument out of that. I don't even think that that's something that we really need to breach here, but I do have concerns for his welfare um, in that, you know, you can do all the, all the educational welfare that you want, but once something like this actually happens, players have never been through something like this and they're not prepared for it. Well, I so I do think his, his welfare is, is going to be the utmost, of the utmost importance right at this second in time. I have, uh, you know, for the people out there, they're going to be screaming, shouting, saying, well, you know, tough titties, he's, he's done the crime, do the time. Uh, if that is proven to be correct, then I totally agree with that. You know, every, every day of that four years or two years that he's going to be banned, he deserves if he's, if he's done this intentionally and knowingly. But I think right at this point in time, right now, um, we, we just really need to support him and I, you know, I've seen a lot of things, a lot of people on social media and, uh, you know, a lot of journos even just, just hammering into this kid 
Uh, I think it's poor form because very few of them have played uh, NRL-level football. Very few of them have probably had a major surgery where they've had to recover um, and the pressures around that, et cetera, et cetera. That's, there's zero. I'm not making any excuse for his behaviour. I just think we really need to be mindful of the impact this is going to have, I think, on his mental health more than anything. And, he, you know, we're all entitled to make mistakes. And, you know, I, I shudder to think of some of the things that I did when I was 19. And, um, you know, I, I made a heap of a heap of mistakes. And I wasn't always as accountable as what I needed to be at that point in my life. Obviously, as you grow, you, you learn to become more accountable. But it's just a terrible, terrible situation. It's a terrible situation for Cronulla. Uh, terrible situation for him and his family. And I guess a terrible situation for the game, isn't it? Because we're... You know, two days out, and it's certainly not the sort of publicity that we needed. But uh, yeah, just feeling for him at the moment, and you know, you can only imagine how he's feeling, and uh, you know, right or wrong, whether he's done done this intentionally or not, I, I don't know. We again, we're going to have to wait for all the facts to come out. But uh, it's a, it's a terrible thing for for all involved. Yeah, I think Cronulla as well. Just by association of what's happened in the past, definitely don't need something like this popping up because even if it's yeah, not it's directly true. related to them, they just don't need this from a PR standpoint PR, or, yeah. or a link to their club given the past situation. But for Bronson Cherry's situation, I more wonder, again, is it just young naivety if it is something that he's done? Is there someone around him that's influenced him to do so? And if so, they've instructed him poorly. But again, at the end of the day, we talk about it all the time. We are educated enough, and I've gone through that 20s program or those sets up coming through the juniors just like we give our kids now. There's not anything that is not covered, whether it be the stuff we've talked about with social media, girls, public behaviour, alcohol, social media, all those bits and pieces, and in particular the most important one every year, and you get reviews and they tell you what you can and can't take, is this sort of stuff. It's supplements. Uh, yeah, look, I, look, and I think all that education and welfare is fantastic provided that every player behaves perfectly. And they don't. No, they don't. So no, I'm just saying. The little hole that we've got at the moment... The accountability, like you're saying... For the players to, for, for, for crisis. Is they know, though. They know. And it's very hard to prepare people for crisis without crisis, isn't it? It's just... You learn on the go. and I, I don't know what more the game could do. I, I'm certainly not blaming the game here. No. Anymore. I don't, you know, There's one thing I will say, though, and this is what surprises surprises me. A lot of the time, people that reach for these sort of situations, in particular performance enhancers, are guys that are struggling to make it or guys, that, like you said, that have had consistent injuries or struggling to get back on the field. This is not someone that was struggling to make it. This is not someone who's struggling to get on the field. Yes, he's coming off a of surgery, but he's young. He's robust. The Roosters still offered him a massive contract, even though he was coming off this injury because we know what a super talent he was. He showed last year, and he's already been touted for Origin and all these other rep arenas, so... I just wonder... Could, could this have been a supplement gone wrong? Uh, 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 I, a like, I don't know. Not, 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 with, those, not with those sorts of things being in his system. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, like, could it be that it was made in a vat that had all this shit in it? The, the fact, when I, when I heard five types of, I went, oh, God. Like, if it was one, you could... And, you, and you know, you, you bought it offshore and it was shipped out or, you know, it wasn't, uh, it, it wasn't produced in a, in a vat that was cleaned and had substances of this kind in it prior to 
you know, producing a supplement or a powder or, or whatever it is, you could then understand it. But when I heard five, I just went, oh, no. Yeah. Well, I think the big thing That's at the end of the day. intentional, but I don't know that for sure. So. No. I don't know. I don't know how they plead that or what they do, but I think between him, his manager, whatever the situation is, I think they will do whatever they can if it is on purpose to somehow try and get it to be a two-year setup. And I know a lot of people. Yeah, have... I don't know that they're going to be able to. No, really. and neither do I. I've, I've done a, I've done a level one and a level two, Amasada course, and. It, it's difficult to, to get a two-year ban. You've almost got to be able to prove that it was an accident and you still get a two-year ban. Well, Shandra Earl. I'm just not sure how they're going to be able to prove that this is an accident. No. We've seen Shandra Earl go through this situation. Yeah. And I don't think he deserved what he got. This is different to this situation, but... Yeah, no, no, I, no I agree with His that. whole I'm setup, and he, he got four I years... I him up at dinner tonight, and... She, she said the same thing. Alexander Earl's one, and I thought, okay, yeah, that's a fair point. He, he got four years almost as yeah. a victim of the whole situation between the Sharks and Dank and his association and being sent yeah. there for trick. Like, his one at the time, I just looked at and thought, like, wow, yeah, this bloke. He was bloke, made an example of exactly He's right. been hung out to dry for, you know, piss-poor management, whereas this, we don't know yet, but it seems that all things right now would point to... You know, this this was done purposefully, and I'm more surprised, like I said, at the motivation of it because this is not somebody who is struggling for a career. They're just starting their career. They're highly touted. Yes, they're coming off an injury, but plenty of players come off injuries and they recover. So he's not. More information. Uh, more information will come about this. This is, you know, we're recording Tuesday night, so it's sort of only just hit, and there's limited information. But um, yeah, and not not good, is it? Just. Not good at all for all concerned. No, and I think the other thing a few people question is why has it taken this long for the information to come out? Why yeah, now? And that's that's a whole other argument. And, you know, there'll be a lot of conspiracy theorists that will say that, you know, this was held up until the game came back. Oh. If it was in November, surely they've known for a while. So I it's, it's I not like know. they were pre Well, yeah. it's hard to say. What, what, what impact has coronavirus had on? But this was this was pre again. Like there's a whole heap of information and unknown that we we really don't know about why the test took this long. I'm sure that there will be a statement and some sort of information around why it has taken this long. I heard uh, some... the last the last comparison was James Seguiaro, and I think he, his test took six weeks to come back. This was pre Corona, surely. How long has this been now? It's been, it's been seven months. months. It was November. Seven months. My point. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. It's pre-corona, well, so end, what? End of, end of November, and we're now at what the end of end of May. You can't yeah, tell it's me five, it's five months. You it's can't five, tell me this was months. randomly just run a couple of weeks ago, and suddenly they've got the results. Like I've been drug tested before when I was at the Raiders. This is not stuff that generally takes seven months for you to be told you've been popped. Yeah, but we're not in normal time, so I'm not sure how long the labs have been shut down. So. I guess if they come out and say, "Look, we haven't been test, we haven't done any tests for the last three months," okay, so really, then it's only a two-month turnaround. So well, I, I don't know. November, we, we didn't even lock down until like mid to late March, though. So we're talking if he got tested in November. Mid March, yeah, mid March. Oh, there's, there's a lot of time in between. I, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, no, like, and that's that's fair comment as well. That, I, I'm certainly not defending them. I'm just trying to play devil's advocate. No, look at, that part confused me though. You know, the time off over Christmas. How long were labs? 
but again, like sport doesn't stop over Christmas, does it? So no. training, the, the testing. testing, and the integrity around it. Sports yeah, twenty four. You, know, you know the other argument, okay? Like he didn't play rounds one and two, but I think a more relevant argument around uh, the the testing and the length of the testing is that if he was on steroids, of course, of steroids, and he came back in round one and two, and he injured another player. There would be course to say, well, how how the hell did we get to a position where someone was tested in in late November, and yet the, the test result still isn't out? He's played, injured, and then pinged, you know, two or two or three months later, uh, a positive test, and he's been playing and placing the health of other players at a high risk because he's using performance enhancing drugs. So I guess the game, in a way, is probably dodged, dodged a bullet in the fact that he didn't play those first two rounds of the season. And it, it might also help his cause if they backdate it to when the test, the negative test occurred. More so if he gets uh, two I'm not years. I'm sure whether they're going to be able to do that because he's been training with the team. I, I don't know how all that works. But I, I just know that having have having had five different types of drugs in your body, to me it's going to be very, very, very difficult for my training, the start of training through the junior rep system um, it's going to be very difficult for him to, to get this down to two years Yeah, we'll, we'll wait which is see. terrible it means he's going, to be, it's going to, he's going to be 23, he's going to lose four very, very important development years um, and the most important time as a first grader you know, those first 100-odd games, he's going to lose that time and have to come back at 23 with four years out of the game. It's not It's not going to be easy. No, yeah. I think he can do it. He's it's, certainly got the ability. But, you know, what also happens in that four years? What, is, what does he do? What does yeah. he do for money? Um, what sort of support network does he have? What sort of impact does this have on him physically, mentally? There's a whole heap of things that... The whole of the questions that now, I guess, arise out of this... Well, that's the bigger question. You fall out of that structure. You've been in your whole life. You've been so hotly touted, taken care of, and in this system. When you're out of the system, you can't go play park football either. You're banned. So there's no rugby league for four years. You've got to motivate yourself, stay on the right track, train yourself, and be up to scratch over four years. And we've seen it before with players like Jordan Rapana and Will Hopawade even just go for a Mormon mission, and they struggle to come back. So you want to compare two years on a Mormon mission or a year on a Mormon mission and come back to play during your prime as compared to four years without being in an elite system. Uh, that's a lot of wasted time and who's to say where his head's at at that time. Does he come back at all? Does he stay focused for that whole time? There's a lot of things that could happen outside the NRL setup. Absolutely. But that's probably the last bit of news we've kind of got. There was a few other little bits and pieces, but don't want to go all night because we want to get back into what is most important, which is the relaunch of the season for 2020 and Brock, our ladders. We did our predictions as we do at the start of the year. We did massive preview, went through squads, season predictions, overs, unders, where we think everyone would finish. Obviously, that's all been changed. The season structure's changed. There's four less games. We've got Origin at the end of the season. We're not going to go ridiculously heavy through the squads and do it all from scratch again, but we are definitely going to run through our ladders and readjust a little bit of uh, positioning-wise and some thoughts given some of those changes and a little bit, I guess, about some of those sides or some reasoning why. But we'll kick it off. Uh, there's a few I think that'll be pretty easy to get through. On my ladder, Brock, 
16th was the Titans. I'm not moving them. And you had the Warriors at 16th. Have you changed that? Um, no. No, I haven't. And then on the flip side, I'm assuming you've got the Warriors. I've got the Warriors at 15th. You've got the Titans at 15th. Yep, spot on. I've got, uh, I've got the Warriors at 16th, Titans at 15th. I, I, I became uh, a little agitated over this one today because I was so close to flipping the Titans back to 16th, uh, moving the Warriors up because I think living over here, uh, being away from their families, is just going to increase that commitment in the Warriors so much. I think they're going to be a really, really difficult opposition to play. They're going to get a lot of respect um, and a lot of admiration from you know crowds once we can hopefully have crowds back at the footy. I think everyone's grown in their, their admiration for the Warriors as an organisation. But um, I, I just general, genuinely believe that the Titans... Uh, just through coaching and I just don't I, I can't see them winning back-to-back wooden spoons I, I really can't and that's not just because I support them because I, you know I don't think they're, they've got a great roster but I just believe it's it's such a vital year in their existence they, they cannot win another wooden spoon yeah it'd just be it'd be devastating for the for the organization well I think for me, uh, I really, really do like Holbrook, but I just think there's still too much dead wood or too many guys there that aren't pulling their weight. Callum Watkins has returned home. AJ Brimson's now injured again, which I was hoping he'd be back on the field. Uh, Ryan James obviously been out for the season. The big thing for me, just all the young guys. There's some good young guys there. Keep working with them. Keep growing. And he needs to figure out, obviously, if Shannon Boyd, Peachy, Ash Taylor, Kevin Proctor is another one off contract, a couple of those guys, Nathan Peets, are they worth keeping? Are they the right people to have around the club? But having a look at the team that he's named this week, Hipgrave's back in, Moiaki's back from injury. He's got Jamal Fogarty, who's a, a product of the Titan system, who's come and gone, won a couple of major awards at Queensland Cup there, played a game for Parramatta. He's now his starting halfback. So uh, I, I think by the looks of it, they're going to go with the young guys that are keen as mustard. You, Jamie and Joe Lisi, you've already seen both for more. They picked up mid-year. Uh, sorry, start of the season from Newcastle. He's a former under-20s player of the year. I think it's looking more like he's just going to play the young, keen guys and try and keep cleaning out the dead wood. So. And, and, yeah, and this is this is what I like. I, I'm enjoying this element of, of Justin Holbrook. I think it's just what the Titans organisation needed. Yep. And I think it's going to, uh, it's going to you know, push us towards results more than just sticking with that dead wood who clearly, A don't want to be there and clearly B don't deserve the money that they're on they're entitled to the money they're on because they, they, they were signed and, and that's fine you know, they, the Titans made that financial investment in them and they're entitled to every dollar that they signed for but they are not entitled to play if they are playing like shit no and you've seen Cartwright and Kelly who people they've already speculated it was because of the whole needle situation that they're not in this week but you know they're not yeah. in the lineup this week. They're in the 18 to 21 spots. But, yeah, I, I just think for me, I still don't think they have the quality of roster. I think there's some good young guys there, but the older heads in particular, I don't have enough trust in them. And even with the Warriors having so many injuries and some guys missing, I do trust Tohu Harris, Adam Blair, Roger Tuovasashek, Ken Mamolo, Fusitua. I still don't think they're going to have a great year. But on your point, I think they've bought in. 
have come over, I think particularly the next few weeks, they're going to be really keen. Um, and even though they're a little bit light on on some troops, I, I still think they're more likely to jag a couple of wins. But um, I, hope, I hope Holbrook turns it around. But for the Warriors, I guess the question for me this year is when do they get to go home? If, if they're here for the whole year and this drags on, they've got an excuse. They've, they really do. If they fall apart and they get more injuries and we know about this loan system, they've been approved to get some players in now. But, man, like they're light on already. They've already lost five or six guys for the season. Uh, Armour just got injured. They already lost a father. They let Lasone go to you guys. Adam Kieran's long-term. Tarn Milne's out for the year. Jackson Fry's out for the year. Yeah, this is probably why I stuck with my original prediction. Jazz Tavunga is now injured, and they're not sure how long. Roach still not due back to mid-year, so it's going to be a big ask. I think this next month they're going to be such a difficult opposition to play. Mm. But the the longer this year wears on and they're away, and I think if the status quo continues, like what we're seeing now in terms of the affection rate, they'll be they'll be able to fly home in. Probably six weeks. Well, I hope travel across for their games. I think that that international border is not a shirt, not going to open in the short term, but I certainly think to the mid uh, intermediate term, uh, it'll it'll become open if um, both in countries' infection rates stay quite low. Uh, so I do I do think yeah there'll be a stage during the season where normality will return for the Warriors and I, so I certainly hope so yeah and I do because too because um, you know to be away from their families would be tremendously hard yeah terribly hard well I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing Alessia Katoa again he was really really good in those first two rounds hopefully Isaiah Papali'i who's been good the first two years still only 21 keeps developing they got Jack Murchie who's a former Australian schoolboy and under 20s kangaroo from the Raiders so he was a handy pickup, but it's, it's more the middles they're light on. They're very light on middles. There's going to be some guys asked to do a job there. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely not sold on the halves. I said before that when they bought Kade Nicarima, I didn't agree. I would have kept persisting with Chanel. Is Greeny there beyond this year? We don't know. And then at hooker, Lawton's injury prone. Egan, I wasn't a big fan of at the Panthers. And Roach, who was the one out of the three I'd probably like the most, he's also injury prone. So yeah. um, there's a lot of expectation here, I guess, on those older heads. And I'll be looking to guys like Tohu Harris, Adam Blair, and Roger Tuivasa-Shek, number one. And we know what he does every single week. So uh, I've left them at 15th. Uh, my bottom five, in fact, didn't change. The Bulldogs at 14th. You know, Foran may be back. He may not be back. But he's just... A ticking time bomb for injury. And then they lost, as we said at the start of the year, probably their most dangerous forward or the only guy who produces anything in terms of probably footwork, offloads or second phase, and that's Harawira Nara with that scandal. So they'll be nuisance value as they've been in the first two games. But again, as the year wears on, uh, I've got the Bulldogs at 14th. Yeah, me too. The Tigers I left at 13th. Harry Grant from Melbourne, uh, massive raps on the kid. Hopefully we get to bring him straight back in, and if Smith moves on, we get to keep him and Smith. I think he'll help massively. I think Benji, Brooks, Grant will form a good spine, but it's still a new club, new players, new setup. I don't think it's going to all click straight away, and regardless of that fact, as far as the Tigers are concerned, uh, that last game against Newcastle, that right edge defensively in particular, two lay Lewis and Benji, why so dangerous in attack? They were absolutely dreadful in defence and Michael Maguire bases everything off defence and attitude and all those bits and pieces. I think the Tigers are going to be rocks and diamonds all year and uh, that young pack 
I still don't trust just yet. Like your Michaelis, Aloyes haven't have to play up front there. Um, there's a lot of expectation on the bench. They've got a debutante this week, Alex Safarth, Ollie Clark. Like there's some good guys there. You know what they're going to do. They're going to try hard, etc. But I, I just don't think there's enough there for the Tigers to do a whole lot this year. So I stuck yeah, with them. I've, I've got them tenth for Tigers. I, the Harry Grant signing, uh, I think, is really going to turn them into a a side that will finish ahead of you know a few others that I've got here. Uh, so I've I've got them at tenth. Yeah, well, uh, but we've got we've got the same bottom three in a different order, and then you've got the Tigers at thirteenth. I've got uh, them at tenth. For thirteenth, for me, I've got Cronulla. Yep, dropped them all the way down. Yeah, not all, not all the way down. I'm not sure where I had them originally, but uh, you had them tenth. Well, there you go. Yeah, I've dropped them down three spots. Uh, for just, I guess, for the fact that they, they lost their opening two games. Uh, and then now this has happened. Oh, I don't know. I just think it's that, just that natural bottoming out of a team that's won a competition and then had a few years after that where they're competitive. You know, they've seen some roster changes. I think it's just going to be that year where they do bottom out a little and they're going to have some off-field issues to deal with. Um, uh, but, but I do see them. They've certainly got the potential to uh, rise back up, provided that they build their roster in an intelligent manner over the next two or three years and they make some smart decisions around around their roster. Uh, but, yeah, I've got the Sharkies at, at 13th. All right. Yeah, I think also for the Tigers, for me, I liked Dewey when he played at South last year. But, yeah, it's, just, it's a lot of change in a short space of time off this kind of break to have a new one, a new nine, Six and seven. I, I think the spine will actually turn out to be pretty good, but I don't trust that edge defence and I don't trust their middles. Twelfth, uh, I left the same. I left the Dragons there. Again, when you look at it on the surface, I can understand some of the frustration uh, of the Dragons fans because if I told you you've got Paul Vaughan, Tyson Brazell, Tarek Sims in your forward pack, and then you've got Cameron McInnes as your nine and a pair of origin halves and Corey Norman and Ben Hunt, you think you'd be doing a bit better. But the same problem for the last few years has existed. They're so top-heavy that their bench has been constantly turned over or bit, bit, same old, same old, and nothing's changed, and they get no impact, and they lose games once they kind of get them on the field. And their back five last year was error-prone, poor defensively, and let them down. And they signed Zach Lomax to a long deal. After one game, they bring Matt Dufty back in, who they tried to get rid of. Aitken and Lafayette were looking like a good pairing. Aitken was being talked about for Origin two years ago. Now he's playing off the bench, and Willie Arme's come back from overseas to play there. Ravalawa's on the wing. Pereira's on a wing. They've had a bunch of different people in those spots. Um, I, I think we they should be doing better than what they are, but I just can't trust them. Yeah, I've got the Dragons at 12th as well. I'll go back to your point about being top-heavy and their lack of a bench, that comes back to development. You need your good, young players who are, aren't on huge salaries yet filling those positions, then the Dragons just don't have it. I they don't think... have those players pushing through. I, I don't think they're far away because, you know, yourself, we played against some very, very good Illawarra teams through the junior representative competitions over the last four years. So... There's certainly some talent there streaming through. Yeah, I think their big problem, though, is it's coming to positions they don't need. 
they yeah, keep, that, they, that, yeah that's, that's also a fair point. They keep producing outside backs, they? outside backs and they've got a yeah. half coming through, but they've got million-dollar halves. Like, they need forwards. They need more forwards. And bar Blake Laurie, who's a solid player, and he's doing his job, um, there's not a whole lot there. I think the other name I've just mentioned before, he's been there, he's been injured. He had a, a good stint at Brisbane at the back end. Corbin Sims has been injured the whole time he's been there. Yeah. So if Corbin's... Look, look, I think if the Dragons finish there, Paul McGregor doesn't have a job at the end of the year. No. Nah. I don't think so either. Unless, and like you said, like you said in, 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 the first thing you said was, you know, that went through that list of origin level players, and they've got at least a handful. And, and if that's the case, then you've got to think that you're, you're going to be in the top eight. Mm. Well, again, from basically, you know, they, they played uh, the Tigers round one. They blew it. Yeah, blew it. And the Panthers, game. Panthers in round two and blew it. And you know, if I think the Tigers are going to run tenth, and um, I've got the Panthers in my eight, then it shows that yep. they're more than capable of playing finals footy. Well, big but thing it's about that consistency, isn't it? Big thing again. There's been plenty of talk about Josh Kerr, who's come from Melbourne. And he was raw boned. He needs to contribute. I think Tyrell Fulmano, the first two games looked very, very good there. And again, yeah. his, his junior rep history is huge. He's a very, very talented player. Played all the junior rep sides. He looked one of the most damaging forwards in that Penrith game. If him, Kerr and Laurie can do a job from off the bench and Corbin Sims can finally stay healthy and start with Vaughn like he is this week, if they get a good rotation, then their halves and the hooker should be able to do something. Um, yeah. But again, I, I just don't have enough faith. And in this season, after a stoppage and that, I'm just going to leave them there. So my whole bottom 16th to 12th, I didn't change. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I left them all the same. Uh, okay. Yeah, I, I think I do have some slight changes, but I, I don't have my previous ladder in front of me, but that's relevant. We're, we're building it now, so yeah. let's go to 11th. Who have you got? I've dropped the Sharks from originally. I had them at ninth. I've now dropped them to 11th. Um, this team was the one I said to me could be a dark horse if everything panned out well, but before a ball was kicked, I had worries over injuries and, you know, this time has helped them. They've got Matt Moylan. They've got a couple of guys that are looking like they're back ready on board. Sean Johnson had some injuries last year. Um, but I look at it now. You have the Sherry thing happened today. The Dugan wanted to retire, doesn't want to retire. Now he's back. Josh Morris has left. Moylan's supposedly good to go, but I just think it's irrelevant. They're both ticking time bombs, him and Dugan. I think for feeder looked like he was struggling. There's talk that he's got a really, really bad knee. Johnson, I don't trust for a full season. Like, I think in a few weeks' time, they could have three or four guys injured again. I really, really like Muli Tawa and Katara on the wings in yardage. I love their back row. Wade Graham, Nakora, Jack Williams, awesome back row. Ueli and Toby Rudolph off the bench would be good, but like, if Fafita's injured and it's going to be in and out of games and Woods having a lack of an impact, I think they may struggle with the new rule changes if things speed up through their middle. Um, there's going to be a lot of pressure on those guys, Blake Braley, he's a good player. They've got some other guys there, but 
Uh, I don't know. There was just a bit of a funk with all the injuries before things started. Now the Sherry thing on top. Yeah. Yeah. I I think if everything went well, there's still plenty of quality players there in particular. Like I said, I love the back row. I love Jack Williams. I love Wade Graham. Everybody knows that. And Nakora is a great player too. But I still think there's too many guys there carrying issues or injuries who are ticking time bombs. And this Sherry thing on top, um, I've now slid them to 11th. Yeah, I've got the Cowboys at 11th. Uh, they were disappointing. And you know what? I'm over picking the Cowboys thinking that they're going to improve. And it was the stadium and Valentine Homes and all that sort of stuff. Pre-season was the chat. I think they are who they are. They're one of those teams who we probably read a little bit more into and expect more of based on that premiership and the Jonathan Thurston years. But... Uh, I'm over putting my faith in the Cowboys. Yeah. And you've hit the nail on the head. From key positions, uh, I, I don't trust Jake Granville at nine. And they've just struggled uh, six, seven, and one for performances, consistent performances. In their forward pack, apart from Tom Lolo, is aging. Outside backs, they're, they're certainly not well beaters. So, yeah, I've got, I've got them at 11th. They could make the eight. Um, but I just don't. I don't put any faith into what they produce week to week. Oh. And again, I think that's the natural bottoming out. Similar to what I said about Cronulla, it's certainly nothing personal with the Cowboys. I, I just think they're, they're going to bottom out. Uh, they won a, won a competition and had such a fantastic roster and were such an entertaining team to watch. I think now it's it's vitally important for both John Morris and Paul Green to look at how you can get this team to bounce back up as quickly as possible. But the first step in that is identifying that you are going to bottom out. And it may be a lean year. But how do you best prepare your team to learn and develop and be better prepared for future years and minimise the damage that that's going to have on some egos and um, some levels of confidence in your players and your organisation and particularly relationships between coach and the, the higher-ups to ensure that you've still got a job as well. Uh, but just, yeah, trying to bottom these teams out and then have them bounce back up. I had the Cowboys. They're my biggest change. They're now 10th. I had them 5th. And again, it was more off that faith and getting drink water in the halves with Morgan and Morgan finally getting back to the form that we saw drive them to the grand final. And McLean and Maguire there with Tamalolo pulling their weight and felt being healthy and Holmes developing and Robson coming in the nine position in those first two games. Uh, the Brisbane one, they were pretty disappointing. And then in the Dogs game, like, they won. But if it wasn't for Tamalolo, like, McLean hasn't lived up to the billing. He's now been named captain this week while Morgan's out. He's got to pull his finger out. I think Maguire's been nowhere near his best, and you can understand why Brisbane moved on from him and his pay packet. Cooper's injured, and I think he's played one year too long. They're a bit light in the back row. Hess should be a world beater, but we haven't seen much since the first season. Everyone in that pack needs to have a good hard look in the mirror and help Tamalolo, because if they do, I can honestly say, even though I don't have a lot of trust in the spine at the moment, that if they all got on the back of Tamalolo, there's plenty to work with there in the spine. Holmes showed us some glimpses, but I don't think it's going to happen, you know, with the way the season's been broken up. He's going to have his moments... And then who's the leader? If Morgan's already out and he was the man and he wasn't taking control, Drinkwater's more of a runner than a, an organiser. And Clifford's had one or two little moments, but again, neither of them are dominant. 
Granville might like the new ruck rules for the six again, but he's not an awfully creative player. And I think Robson will benefit from those rules as well. But there's no genuine dominant spine player there to take advantage of that forward pack if it does roll. But again, every week you do have a good result, like the dogs thing. It's generally just the Tabalolo show. And I'm sick of putting my faith in a bunch of potential and a bunch of guys there that aren't delivering. So um, after the yeah, first two rounds, I've, I've had a big about face and I've dropped them all the way from fifth to tenth. Yeah. Uh, tenth for me is Tigers. I've already gone over that. Who have yeah. you got at tenth? Ninth. Ninth for me is Newcastle. I had them at 11th. Those, no, who do you have at tenth? Cowboys. That's what I said. Oh, okay, sorry. So, sorry, I had Cowboys 11th, you had them at 10th. So, yeah. yeah, okay, beautiful, yeah. Yeah. Uh, who have you got at ninth? Newcastle, for me, I had 11th before a ball was kicked. The first two rounds, I thought that was super impressive, but also I'm not going to take away from them. Um, but they did play the Warriors and they did play the Tigers, so I'm not that big on. So I, I, I reserve a little bit of judgment, even though I thought they were great because I want to see him play somebody. And the fact that Braley's out now, and the, the way he played the first two games, I know they just got McCulloch. But McCulloch, to me, defensively strong, good service. But as far as creativity, threatening around dummy half, probing, all those bits and pieces, I, I thought Braley shocked me on that level and, and showed me a lot. And the first two games was close to their best player in both those games. So I think McCulloch will do a good job. Um, but I, I also, again, just think the two teams they've played, they're going to play a lot better forward packs. The back line is not set. Like, they played Tuala and Shibasaki, who were solid in those games, but... Bradman Best is back. Is he going to play? Um, Phoenix Crossland and the halves, do they stick with man for the year? That forward pack, I like Safidi. I do like Clemmer. Um, you know, Barnett's out injured. I think that's a big one. But when they come up against a Melbourne pack or a Roosters pack or something like that, with the players they've got on their bench, like your Glasby's, your Guerra's, not a lot of depth, are they going to measure up against those better sides? I'm not sure. Um, I have no doubt in my mind that Pierce Ponga, when he's on the field, will deliver. Um, but I still think there's going to be games where maybe they're going to be found wanting against some of those teams. I may regret this because they've already yeah, won. Yeah, maybe, but it's their opinion. You're yeah. entitled to your opinion. They've, they've already won two games, which is definitely going to help. Um, but I, I just, yeah, when I look at it, I still think there's some spots there where there's going to be some inconsistencies. And I hope for Newcastle fans' sake, after what they've been through and the work that Brown's done and O'Brien coming there and, and what he showed so far, that they do pull through. But, I, yeah, what really took me out was when... Braley went down, and then Barnett had neck surgery. If those two were both still available, I probably would have slipped him in the eight. But I think they're going to come up against some better forward packs, and I want I want to see them play some better teams. So I've got them at ninth. Uh, I've dropped South all the way back out of my eight uh, from picking them to win Premiers. the comp. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but I, I said it in our season preview. Off-field incidents are the death knell for teams. Teams who have off-field incidents do not win competitions. Simple as that. Uh, and South have had multiple. They've had, you know, the Wayne Bennett issue because he's shopping himself around to clubs and he's uh, looking to move on. You've got Jason Demetrio standing in the wings who is a outstanding operator and is going to do great things, I think, with the South Sydney team once he gains full control of, of, of the team. Uh, you've got the Cody Walker incident. You've got the Latrell Mitchell constant uh, circus around him, rightly or wrongly. You've, you've had his incident in isolation. Uh, and then you've got you know a few injuries on top of that. The season's just been horrendous. 
this start's been terrible. So I've dropped them all the way out of my eight. Um, I, I don't. I, I just don't like anything coming out of that club at the moment. It just might be one of those years where they're the ones that are just they're, they're just going to be the the whipping boy, the pinata for the season. And there's always one team that just goes incident after incident, injury after injury. Um, yeah, and I, I just I've, all eight teams that I've got ahead of them. I'm, I'm really comfortable putting ahead of them. I, I, I would, on a neutral field, full rosters, I would pick the eight teams um, to beat them on a neutral field with the knowledge that I have right at this point in time. Well, I've got South's eighth, and I think basically what you said there would you have go. been me with Newcastle. If you had Braley and Barnett, I probably would have pushed them out. But I had South's lower to start with at the start of the year, and I said similar to you. I had them at sixth, and I just wasn't big on their forward pack. And now you add in all this drama, uh, it's not helping me anymore. So I think they'll hang on by the skin of their teeth. And the only reason I've agreed to that is because of their six, seven, nine. I think Cody Walker and this new system, if uh, things are a bit quicker, and Damien Cook in particular will enjoy it. But again, said this in the first two games, when their starting pack was on, they held their own and they did enough. But when their starting pack went off, they really struggled. So the only uptick I'm going to give in this situation is Pat Mago, who makes a big difference, is back from injury now. The rest has obviously done him a favour there. He'll bring some impact off the bench. And I still think Murray needs to go back into the middle. I think they need that help. Uh, Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'd agree with that, particularly after watching him for the first uh, two rounds. Yeah, to Tola, Tom and Knight, they're doing a good job but they're not going to be able to maintain it, even for this shorter season. Murray needs to be playing minute minutes in the middle. And, and again, with this new rule, who's going to get you the quickest play of the ball and the six-again rule? Murray's that guy. He needs to yeah. be there. One, one to seven, they're great. Um, but like you said, all these issues, all the noise about Wayne Bennett. I'm not sure they are. Are they great? Like Latrell Mitchell, who's having a lot of issues. James Roberts, who's having a lot of issues. Cody Walker, who's having issues, that's three out of your top seven that are that's just not not right. Yeah. So they're, they're, they're the flags for me. And then I look at coach, and there's a lot of instability in those ranks that I certainly didn't know about pre-season. Yeah, well, when, when there's noise and drama, like you said, it's generally a good thing, but just... That's four, straight off the bat. That's four, four people within a, yeah. a group of 18. Well, I didn't have them in contention. I definitely don't now, but I think they still have enough to slip into the eight. So I've got them at eighth. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I really, I, I got it wrong, but I, I really expected Latrell Mitchell to turn up there with a point to prove. Well, it's going to be interesting to watch him this but week it, it against just, the Roosters. It just hasn't, hasn't come to fruition. Yeah. I um, mean, look, I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll watch them and I'll um, change my opinion with the information that, that's presented, but. Right at this point in time, I, I couldn't jump off them quick enough. I, I actually rung and uh, rung the two betting agencies I had bets with on futures bets for South to win, and then I had um, South to make the eight in a, in a multi um, with the Storm top four, and I, I got off both bets. So that, that sort of tells you where my level of confidence is, is with them at the moment. Yeah. Um, but, you know, hopefully things change for the positive for our South fans listening, but... Uh, history tells you if you have a, a, a lot of off-field incidents, it does, doesn't bode well for where you finish on the field. Anyway, let's um, let's fire through these last eight. Um, eighth, I've got the Manly Sea Eagles. 
Um, again, haven't heard Zippo out of them through this period. I love that. Des will be chipping away. Uh, they don't have a lot of injuries, so I've, I've just bumped them up um, into my top eight, and that'll make me a few friends as well without some of our listeners. So, yeah, uh, yeah again, happy to go with the information presented. And uh, I thought Manly were fantastic in that, that win over... The Roosters in, in round two. My only concern with Manly is their depth. Yep. And I said I as much. They've got a good 17. And I, I don't know about these people saying that they're a dark horse and that they can win it. I don't necessarily agree with that. But I certainly now look at them and think, yeah, like they, they should make the top eight. Yeah, I had them in the eight. And I said at the start of the year, my only issue was they were coming in with a couple of guys under clouds. But again, uh, Jake, Adden, all these guys that had injuries and played round one were ready to go. And now they've had a rest. So... Uh, my position's pretty much the same. And again, anyone that was injured, the only person of major note who we don't know whether he will be available this year is still Manessi Fanu, who was obviously a huge part for their team last year and they lost Coruscant, But Yeah, they, well, I doubt it. He's got a court case pending. Yeah, a lot the, of offshore shit going on. These new rules, again, if the ruck's quicker and there's the ability to play on, will suit Danny Levi if he's playing behind two bookends like Fanua Blake, Tapau. They've got good edges in Thompson and Sirena who are underrated. Cherry Evans, Tommy if he's healthy, Jake. Um, and last year we saw it. Waddell, uh, you know, Gazuski in a couple of weeks when he's available again. All these guys chipped in and did a job. And, yeah, and that's, the, that's the exact reason why I had them. I basically put uh, Manly against South today to make the decision on who I was going to put in. And that's exactly why. I think yeah. the rule changes are going to benefit uh, Manly more than South because Manly have got the punch. And they've got the hooker that can just dart out of there. No doubt Souths do. Yeah. Have the hooker, can they generate the ruck speed? The punch. Yeah, that's right. And that's my so. problem before the season started. Again, in the, even in the wrestle version of the game, it still doesn't suit them because for half the game there, they're holding their own. But for the second half, they're holding on to win. So Manly, on the other hand, they, they can definitely bash the ruck up. They've got a big fullback. They've got a ball playing lock. They've got multiple guys that fit into this system. Um, they've got a very good halfback and... I think they've got an underrated backline. Like last year, you wouldn't have thought that Brad Parker and Suley would be a really good centre pairing, but now I think we're saying the opposite. And if Des keeps going the way he is with Moses Suley, there's talk he's going to the Dragons. But I think for Suley's personality type and and how he's played at Manly, it'd be in his best interest to not leave Manly, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. But, yeah, I've I've bumped them up. I had them eighth. I've now got them seventh. There you go. Seventh, I've got the Penrith Panthers. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I like what I saw in the first two rounds from the Panthers. Had the the off field incident. Um, it is of, it is of concern, but uh, I don't know. I just like them. They're young. Uh, I think, and I just think it's time. It's time for them to deliver to play finals footy and to um, you know push into the. Into that, I, I guess, that premiership window. Yeah, I'm, I'm not disagreeing with you. And I already had them in my eight. They were seventh. I've now bumped them up one spot as well. They're sixth in mine. And again, uh, a couple of years' worth of development for some players. Ivan come in last year, rolled over. Anyone that was unhappy, blooded eight or nine players. Uh, they, they've got a good group there now. They've got a good balance. Anyone that was disheartened or not part of, uh, you know, the harmony that was trying to be created when Ivan first came back has been moved on and it's a ripper group, but more particularly that forward pack. Um, I thought Tamiao in particular was very, very good the first two weeks, which surprised me, but 
Fisher-Harris, Kikau, not even playing, starting minutes had big impact. Kate Wells now going to be available. Yo, I've always said, is not a back rower. He's a lock. He was exceptional in those two games at lock. And then you've got Ted Ivano, Moses. Like they've got good depth. They're young. They've got mobility. They've got footwork. They're dynamic. Um, like Stephen Crichton had two big influences on two games. Can't even get a start. Um, Naden, Toto, Cleary misses two games, but Burton showed in the game last year with that kicking game. And I said preseason that I thought Luai would be a better option at fullback than Aikens or Edwards because I just think it would make their spine better all around. And um, I have full confidence Burton can cover for two weeks. And beyond that, we talk about rule changes again. Coruscant was huge the first two weeks, and this rule change again suits a player like Coruscant. So I think Penrith uh, are, are going to suit these changes. They've got a dynamic forward pack, um, and they've got a good spine. And, and Nath, before this suspension, those first two games again, looked like without Maloney, it, it's his team. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. Right. Who you got at sixth? Uh, the Knights. For, um, I don't know. I, just, I liked them preseason. I, I liked them again now. I understand they lost Braley. I like McCulloch coming in. Uh, I like the attitude that um, Adam O'Brien's brought to the club. But I just think that there's no way that they're going to miss the eight this year, in, in my opinion. Um, so they're, they're one that I'd, I'd like to have a bet on. I, I had a bet on them to be top four before a ball was kicked. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm not as confident in that bet now without Braley, but uh, they're two from two. That's all they, they could have done to commence the season. So let's see they, how they come out of the, the blocks. Now they're going to miss Ponga for, is it is it a week or two weeks they miss Ponga? Uh, one week. Just a week. So uh, they play Penrith this week. That'll probably give us a good... Good look at uh, both those sides, but I, I guess they're both their key. We've got key men missing in Palmer and Cleary, but it'll give us some sort of idea on where these two teams are. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I really like the Knights this year. There's something about them, a feel about them. So uh, I think they'll be they'll be in the eight. Yep, fair enough. Uh, the Broncos are the one that I've really bumped up. They've basically replaced the Cowboys in a straight swap. And you had them out of the eight, didn't you? I just thought, first of all, the half situation, there was the drama to finish the back end of last year. Darius Boyd, McCulloch, a couple of those guys that were left over. Lodges, ACL, Bird, and just questioned the consistency and the attitude of some of those players. And after the first two rounds, it seemed like those young guys had definitely bought in. Uh, Boyd had taken a bit of a back seat, and now we see McCulloch's gone. And uh, it seems like Seabold's definitely got full control of the group. And I think, again, if you want to talk about the rule changes or the style of game and the way we're heading, even with a couple of injuries and Lodge being close and Fafita missing for a few weeks, speeding up the game with the forward pack that they've got and the run-first style of play of their halves and their nine and, and the way that they're heading with their style of football, I think they're going to suit these changes that have been made. So my, my case for them has turned around again on those thoughts pre-season and are now having a two-game look. And the other thing that stopped me, I said Origin, was going to kill them. You take Origin out and tell me that Carrigan, Flegger and all those guys weren't going to get picked for Queensland and then struggle to probably play 24 rounds. Now it's 18 games to go. There's no Origin. They were going to lose six or seven players easily. So I think this benefits Brisbane massively in this new format. Yep. Um, I'm still not... Agreed. Still not sold on 
them winning a comp in particular with that halves pairing of Croft and Milford because I still don't think there's a dominant player there. But that forward pack, the outside backs, and, and they've got depth. We're still yet to see Tessie New. There's huge wraps on him. We've seen little bits of Farnworth. Xavier Coates is a weapon. Like They've got depth, and I, and I don't care what anyone says. I, I still think Dearden's a really good player as well. Uh, we haven't seen Corey Pakes at nine. There's good players everywhere, and they're all young. They're all fast. They're all dynamic. So this is an exciting team. And Lodge will be back. Fafita will be maybe four, six weeks away. And Pengai Jr. is not even available to play yet. So they're just going to get better, I think. They just need to get through the next two to three weeks without losing a couple of games. Yeah, well, fifth. Is that what we're up to? Fifth? Fifth, yep. Yeah, fifth, I've got the Eels. Uh, That might surprise a few people. But look, look, I'm... I've no doubts about their talent and ability. I want to see it. I want to see it against the good teams. I want to see them beat a Melbourne. I want to see them beat the Roosters. I want to see them beat, um, you know, Canberra, these top sides. You know, first and foremostly, I want to see them against Brisbane on Thursday night. Uh, travel up there and, um, you know, they, they bashed up. Uh, well, they struggled to beat Canterbury in round one and then bashed up the Titans. But I, I hadn't seen that Titans-Eels game because uh, that's a night uh, Henley got rushed into hospital. But um, that was the, that was the last game before the shutdown, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, so I, I didn't see that game and I, I watched it yesterday. They were poor. That was, that was quite a close game. For a long period, it was. Yeah, it was. I, I didn't realise. The score blew out late. Mm. So... Uh, yeah, I think there's still a little bit to do for Parramatta. I've certainly got them in my eight. I think they could win the comp, definitely. I think they've got the players. It's just whether they have that tough style of football in them for a long period of time. And to when that burner really goes on the belly, to just keep to that tough style of footy yep. and not try and branch out. You know, we saw that last year. They, they blow the doors off Brisbane, they and then they come against Melbourne and just get Melbourne. absolutely fucking pummeled. Yeah. So that, that's my concern for Parramatta. Yeah. I want to see it. I want to, I want to see a premiership winning team consistently, and that, that's the only concern I've got. Yeah, and again, they're not going to get a better opportunity. Coach, players. Uh, yeah. They're off a break, yes, and Marnie's coming off an injury, but they have everyone on deck, and they're going to get Brisbane yeah. without Pangai, without Fafita, and without Lodge for now. So they're down three guys that would definitely play in that starting forward pack. This is a good opportunity to kick off with Absolutely. a win. Uh, yes, they're yeah. travelling, but you're getting them a few troops down. You need to take advantage of that situation. Could agree more. Uh, fourth for me, I don't care if they haven't won a game yet. The Roosters, um, they'll find a way. They've got Josh Morris now to cover up for that centre issue they had, which means they can put Orbison back into a utility spot, back row spot, wherever they need be. They got that balance again between him and Manu, Tupo Morris, both sides, Tedesco. Flanagan will figure it out. Uh, he was okay the first two games. He wasn't great, but they've got Luke Keary there. You got Friend, you got Verrills. Like either way at nine, they're sorted. They've got variety. And that forward pack, Cordner will be better for the rest. Tupanua had a knee issue. That's now been resolved because of the rest. The only one I was interested to see is they named Tokiaho at 18th man this week. So I don't know if he's got an injury, but. You've still got Rhea Hargraves, Liu, Cordner, Crichton, Radley. Um, Nat Butcher, I think, is highly underrated still. Lindsay Collins will do a job. And they've got depth. Like I said, they can reach for Orbison. Hall and Ikevalu can do a job for the backs if they need them. Um, 
they, they've got good players, they've got a great coach, and they've won two comps in a row for a reason. I don't know. Yeah, I've got the, the Roosters in the same spot for the same reasons. Yeah. I don't know if they can win a third, but I tell you what, you wouldn't you wouldn't put yeah. it past them. But I think, I think the, the way that this season's panned out is ideal for them. It's helped them. It's dragged everyone Absolutely. back. Absolutely. It's dragged everyone yeah, back. It's freshened them up. Uh, it's given them time to another mini preseason to put more poor work into that combination with Kyle Flanagan. So yeah, I, I think they'll come good. The Roosters there, too good a team. They they played a hot Penrith side with a, in front of a full house hostile environment and then ran into Manly who were um, also very, very good. So it's not like they've been beaten by mugs in their first two games. Nah, let's be fair. They they blew the Manly game when Kiri got tackled yeah, get, when he should have scored. They've played, they've played two, two opposition, tough oppositions. Yeah, top eight sides. Um, with more incentive on the back of a long trip back from Europe. Uh, yeah, top eight, both, both teams that we've got yeah. in our top eight. So, with no preseason. Uh, and they were, they were in both games. Yeah, with no preseason and a couple yeah, of troops, so this this stop again. If it's going to benefit anyone, it's put everyone back on level pegging with the Roosters because they've had a break and they've all. Well, no team defending the comp has had this sort of. Um, how do you say it? this sort of break? Nah, it's worked out great for them given the yeah, toll. Absolutely, I think it's brought them right back into the into the argument. Yeah. Uh, third for me, I've got um, I've got the Brisbane Broncos. Wow, big bump. Yeah, I, I almost had them second, and I'll, I'll outline the reasons why I almost had them second when I talk about uh, the team I've got in that spot. But uh, I, don't, I don't know. I, I just I like them. I tipped them to win it last year. Um, you know, the, some of the things I saw last year dented my confidence. But if you take out the first nine weeks of last year, uh, they were, you know, as good a as any team really apart from the, how they went out uh, but that was really a teething year for Seabold I probably overestimated the impact he would have in a short period of time but having spoken um, you know with him on a few occasions during this break um, and having some uh, I guess some coach education on what he's doing there and uh, you know how that Broncos organisation is ticking along I'm, I'm really, really confident both from an organisational perspective but also from a coaching perspective that he's got them right in the right position. I think there may be one or two players away from winning a competition and, like you said, their halves really forming a good combination. But I, I don't think they're far away. And really, I think this forward pack is just going to smash their way to a lot of victories. And there's not many forward packs who are going to be able to slow them down and therefore slow, slow down that uh, ruck speed. And as you said, they're at such an advantage with having a lot of running players in those key positions to take advantage of that roll-on. So if their forwards are just going to roll like we expect them to, they're going to be such a difficult team to stop. So I've, I've got them third. Yep. Well, I stuck with Canberra at third. I didn't change them at all. Um, again, I think not the biggest pack in the competition, but the way they play their football will suit this up-tempo style. They've always been good coming out of yardage. They create second-phase play, but their forward pack being that lighter weight, fitter pack uh, should benefit from this new style of game. You've got Soliola, you've got Papali, you've got Hodgson who's basically playing as the half there. George and Jack in the halves. Like Jack's pretty much shown that he's trying to add that ball playing into his game, but the running game will definitely suit. And George Williams showed a little bit of spark the first two games. I think my only reserve for them is, again, 
Uh, opposition first two rounds, probably not the best two oppositions to gauge off, but literally they've got Rapana back on board now. They're not really missing anyone. Bateman, the situation, is it ideal? No, but I, do I think given the style of player is and the style of person, it'll affect the way he plays? No, I don't. I think, if anything, it'll piss him off and he want to play better. Um, and other than him, the only player they're really missing is Hudson Young, who showed some great glimpses. So when he goes his three or four weeks and he comes back, uh, I think Canberra, if they defend similarly and keep working on their attack and improve, in particular in the halves, uh, they'll, they'll be right up there again. But I still have the one question as far as winning a comp is come a grand final or come playing against the Roosters or a Storm or whatever like they have, points in the spine. I, I still think there's too much on Josh Hodgson to create or to kick or to you know do a bit. So can George Williams bring more creatively than Cesar? I've only seen two games. I don't know yet. Does Jack Whiten add enough to his game? Yeah, and does Chance Nickel Clogstad add to his game? Because last year he had one try assist. So I think more needs to come from the spine to help Hodgson. But all around, it is a good side. It's a good back five. They've got good depth. Um, yeah, I, I just think they're going to be right up there again as well in the top four. Yeah, agree. The reason I almost slid them back to third, and I've got them second, was uh, their travel. They don't have a home ground advantage. They're going to yeah. have to travel at least three hours well, to every game. I'm banking that after this first little period, things will be almost back to normal and they'll be able to play at Canberra. So. Yeah, okay. I hope so. I hope so for their sake. Yeah. That's certainly going to increase their chances of uh, winning the comp. Um, I think crowds are the biggest, um, the biggest influence on this team. The impact that their home crowd has. I think Parramatta similar. Parramatta similar. Yeah, I would, I would agree. They're the two teams who I think, if we get back to having crowds and having decent sized crowds, they're the two teams that are really going to have a positive impact um, through just the the lift that their fans give them and the advantage that they have at home with big big packed houses. Uh, but yeah, all those reasons outlined, I, I just have concerns over. You know, the travel and the wear and tear, but um, they're a team that lost last year's grand final who are looking for redemption, and I see no reason to uh, to jump off them or to think that they're going to be anything rather than very, very competitive. Mm-hmm. Uh, I left the Eels in the same spot. I had them at second. Uh, if, yeah, you go, yeah. if you go off a lot of people, they're blowing up saying they got the easier draw. You had the, didn't you? You had the Eels to win it. I did originally, yes, because I thought for once I'll change it because every year people have listened, it's been Storm, Cowboys or the Roosters. So I thought, fuck it, I'll throw a throw a different one out there and go with that team. Well, we both, we both did. We mm. both went a little bit it's, um, different. And we, we were right. It was a, it's a different season. It's yeah. just a lot uh, more different than what we thought. Yeah, I thought their first two games weren't that great. But, re- again, um, a couple of changes in the side, some adjustments to be made. But when you look at it, like let's be serious, like we talked about before, Ferguson and Sevo, you've got great yardage. Wunga Blake, if he plays to his potential with Jennings, will be a good centre pairing. Gutherson does his job at the back. He's got good energy. He pushes on the ball. He joins in on those backline plays. I think Dylan Brown is a great player. Very, very underrated from some of the subtle things he does. Moses, can he take a step forward? He should, but the forward pack is more what gets me. You've got Paulo. Campbell Gillard needs to show a lot more, but Terrapo, Murata, good leg speed, Good dynamic forward pack. You've you know you've got guys there that can have a point of difference. Two good back rowers in Madison and Lane, Brown, and then they've got depth. Like Evans played good those first two games. Oregon Kafusi, 
Stefano Utukamano, who the Tigers have signed for big money, is still there. That They've got seven or eight really good forwards that they can roll through. The only real big question is, like you said, can they be ruthless and consistent off the back of good performances or dominant games? And Hooker, you've just had Marnie come off surgery and the breaks benefit him because he's recovered from his foot surgery. But if he's not there, they basically don't have another option. They were talking this week that Ray Stone, who most of these played as a middle, is going to fill in for 20, 30 minutes. Will Smith's done a job there before, but he's too small and not a great defender. And Reese Davies is a, a junior half they've got in their system who they're grooming to play nine. So Yeah, they need everybody there. I think one thing, they've got cover everywhere else. Their forward pack's got cover. They've got cover in the backs with the young gun, Hayes Dunster and Takarangi can cover centres. And in the halves, Jamin Salmon's a really good player who can play six, play centres. And then they've got Jai Field from... Does Salmon play nine? I think he could. He's that kind of guy. And, and Jai Field's now there from the Dragons, so he can play one, halves. Like, I think this is the best squad they've had in a long time as far as all around. But as we know, Parramatta, when we generally have an expectation, fall flat on their face. When we don't, they surprise us. Yeah, it feels a little bit different. I, I like them under Arthur. This year yeah. does feel different, definitely. But in particular, when they got Madison over rightly or wrongly, I, I didn't feel good about it. Um, but just looking at everything, yeah, looking at everything all together from last year, I think that was an upgrade. And I just think there's a couple of good extra kids there in good depth. I think Campbell Gillard's still got a point to prove to me. Will he prove it? I don't know. But I had plenty to say when he was at Penrith about the contract and all the wraps around him and everyone's opinion. To me, he's not a top five prop at all. He hasn't proved that to me, and he has to prove it this year. Wasn't there an incident at paratraining last week? Campbell Gillard hit someone late, or? Nah, they said there was just reserve grade in them and the contact session ripped in. He had nothing to do with it. Just the reserve graders in particular were a bit fiery, apparently. Okay, well, I heard something along the lines of he hit someone late or there was, there was something that happened. Oh, okay, well, I didn't hear anything about that. But, I, yeah. If, again, I, we yeah, are... It could, be, it could be complete horseshit. I, mm. I just like, thought I heard someone on the radio saying that there'd been a blue, whether it was Campbell Gillard had levelled one of the reserve graders... Oh, I'm not sure. Yeah, it was, it was just something around something that happened at training last week. I'm not saying that. No. Or, was in the wrong. It was just I heard something with his name attached to it. Yeah. It's a good squad. Uh, like I said, they've got cover in most areas. It's it's way too talented not to be in the top four. And again, given this situation, draw, we can't say all the time, is a guarantee of a good thing. But they don't play a lot of those better teams you would expect twice. So things are in their favour to finish top four and hopefully come finals time, if there is crowds or there is a home ground advantage. Uh, they should be in a position to capitalise finally. And there's a lot of fans out there because bar the two teams that haven't won a comp in the Titans and the Warriors, they've got the longest premiership drought still when you were born 86. Yeah. Who have you got second? I've already gone over it, Raiders. Yeah, the Raiders, all right. Well, number one, we've got the same team by the sounds of it then. Yeah, Storm, yeah. I just think in this format before I had them fourth, I had a few little questions, but... Origin's always a big thing. Uh, drains Melbourne. Smith's helped in that situation the last few years and the few Kiwi boys. But now, no Origin. A chance to get a couple of guys healthy. Nelson wasn't healthy. Brandon Smith wasn't healthy. Welch wasn't healthy. Um, people say, well, what about the halves? Well, Melbourne's made the grand final in the prelim the last two years with Croft. And then they switched to Hughes last year. They rolled through three halves. Like It, it just hasn't made a difference. And then people bring up centre. Well, you know, they've still got two very, very good wingers. Suley, 
Fox, you've got Pappenhausen, who will love this new rule, pushing through the ruck. Smith's the f- smartest bloke in the game. Uh, Munster will enjoy, I think, this as well, but able to run. And that forward pack, I think this is the first time since 2017 that I think we've got a really, really good bench. So you can start now with Nelson and Jesse. You've got Kenny and Felice and Dale. And then off the bench, we can bring on Big Tui, who started the first two games, was great. You've got Welch back, who was good last year. Max King, Brandon Smith, and then you've got Big Tino. So I think, if anything, now we're going to have one or two guys miss out each week if they're all healthy, who, you know, realistically would play in a few other teams. But more so, having Tino and Tui, if he's going to play the way he is, come on and rotate with those other two guys. Um, And I think this is a huge year for Nelson. Nelson's had some games. They they were just so close last year as well. Yeah. They lost a nail-biter to Canberra, a nail-biter to the Roosters. Um, And look, the the big hiccup was obviously losing that home semi-final to Canberra. Yep. That sort of shook up the whole final series. Uh, So, yeah, is their side better now than what it was last year? I, I think it is. I think the Ford pack is definitely better. And I think... I think Cameron Smith also looks fresher than he did uh, than he has in any other. And it's a shorter season, season for him. Recent memory, yeah, and he's had another break uh, where he's been able to put his feet up. Not to say that he hasn't done anything, but it's just time off the legs. Like you said, it's a bit of a sprint to the finish line with only 18 games. Yeah. Uh, and then finals, so it's uh, I guess it's 22 weeks straight, which is going to be difficult. But Melbourne. I would imagine within that time, Bellamy will give him a game or two off and just start Smith. So... Um, Providing that they're travelling okay, which you'd expect that they will. Uh, I certainly like them to be minor premiers. Um, I'll pick them to win the competition, but I'll preface that by saying that I honestly think this year any any of the top five that I've named could win the comp. And it's very difficult to pick a winner, particularly right here sitting here now, with everything that's going on, and you don't know what impact, no crowds and oh, one uh, ref, the, the rules, and all that stuff he's going to have. So, but I would be, I would be absolutely shocked if someone outside that top five um, that I've named, and that would be Melbourne, the Roosters, Canberra, Brisbane, and Parramatta. I would really be shocked if there was a a winner outside of that. Oh, look, I hope there is. I, like, I'd really like to see someone shoot up and, you know, some of these lower teams really challenge and, and see the competition really turn on its head because, um, you know, my team's one of the ones down the bottom of the table. But um, I think the status quo will be continued, at least for this season. And, you know, the more things change, the more they stay the same. You've given Craig Bellamy another, you know, 10 weeks to sort of get his team right. Um yeah, I just find it hard to not pick them. They're just the easy pick in a season where it's there's just so many variables. You just you go with the tried and tested. Uh, the Roosters are probably the other team that it'd be very easy to pick, but the fact they've won two in a row um, and have lost Cronk that sort of is a little bit of a flag for me. Enough for me to sort of go nut. Uh, I'll jump off Canberra. Uh, they're probably the one that I would I would imagine are on the same tier for me as probably Brisbane and Parramatta. Like any of those teams, I would probably think would win it before the Roosters. 
Um, but it's just, yeah, it's bloody hard, isn't it? Canberra, the, what impact is John Bateman this year going to have? The travel, uh, you know, again, the rule changes, like you said, it, it looks on paper as if it's going to suit them with so many running players, but you, you just don't, you don't know, do you? No. But so I'll, I'll go with Melbourne to be minor and, and to win it. They were so close last year, as I said, and, you know, you just know what you're going to get from them. Yeah. And that's what makes it, a, I'd say it's a safe choice. But I'd also say, if you know, if you don't like Melbourne and you like any of the other four teams that I've, I've put in that top five, go and have a bet and jump on them. Because I think they're 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 all a, a huge chance. Yeah, I don't disagree. And like I said, any argument about oh well the halves, I'm like, well Hughes again. I'm not going to go into the numbers. Makes it significantly better in defence. My my biggest gripe with Croft wasn't his tackles. People were like oh he doesn't miss. I said it's not about the missed tackles. It's his defensive decisions that affected the whole edge. He had try causes because of his decisions, which disappeared when Hughes was in the team. And then other people bring up centres. Well, our centres were shit last year. Like, Will Chambers was terrible and he was moved on and Curtis Scott couldn't stay on the field and we had a couple other guys rotate through that spot. Olam looked the goods and has been good so far and now we've got Momorowski, who's more than above average as a centre and I think he'll take Seve's spot. So the hardest thing has has been an issue to win the comp the last two years, sure, but they still made a grand final and a, a prelim final. But the forward pack's better. I think the half situation is a little bit better than what it was with Croft and Hughes suits what we're doing. And if he doesn't, they can move him to centre and they can put Jacks back in there. And you know he does a solid job. He's not a world beater, but we're talking about Melbourne here. It's a great forward pack. They've got Craig Bellamy, they've got Cameron Smith, and I think Pappenhausen, again, will take another step forward. Sully's last year, Fox's last year. I think all those guys hopefully embrace that and uh, a sprint to the line with no origin interrupting us mid-season. I, I think a lot of things suit Melbourne. Yeah, agree. Absolutely agree. But like you, uh, I originally picked Para. I was going to stick with Para. If you wanted my outside choice, I'd still maybe say them. But if I'm taking it out of there, and it always sounds biased because I'm a Melbourne fan, but I honestly do think this format suits them on both fronts, minor premiership and the premiership. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah agree. All right, let's do our tips for this week and get into these squads, Boxhead. So we've got... Thursday night. What about your best bet for the year? Did you oh. change that? Well, originally it was Parramatta over 12.5, but there's no over-under markets anymore. Mm. So. Oh, I'll tell you mine. I'm going to have Melbourne to be top four, into Broncos to be top eight, and that, that's paying $2.45. I would have stuck with my bet, but if you wanted to reformat it, 24 games, 12.5. So basically my bet was Parramatta would win one over half of the game. So now it would be winning over 10.5. I still think Parramatta wins more than 10.5 games. Well, that's essentially saying Parramatta make the eight, really. Because mm. it was a $2 or something or a dollar ninety or whatever it was for a $100 bet, I would have taken it. So if it was still the same now with the adjusted season, I'd still take it at 10.5. Yeah. But otherwise, yeah, I think if you could do a multi, we tried to look earlier. I don't know if you can on sports bet. If you said to me multi up top eights or something else, I'd easily take Melbourne top four into Brisbane top eight, or if you could throw a few of them in there, I'd go dangerous and pick three of the top four. I'd pick the Raiders, Para, and Storm all to be in the top four. Yeah. I'd hang my nuts on the table for that. Uh, I need to find someone to do a builder bet. Yeah. So if, if anyone listening knows that 
of a betting agency that's doing some build bets because originally I was able to have I was able to multi up to futures with sports bet but um, I can see the odds on some of these sites but then allow me to have that bet that I've just spoken about usually you know the last few years we've had listeners actually uh, get some of the bets that we've had um, up on some betting agencies so if you know of any agencies that are doing builder bets or request the bets or however you want to call it on the futures I'm super keen on having that Melbourne top four, Brisbane top eight, but um, I'm going to need someone to take me bet. At the moment, I can't find anyone. So, yep. everyone, keep um, your eyes peeled. If you know, yeah, let, flick us a message, and um, any help would be much appreciated. I'll be scouring the betting sites. Don't you worry about that. Trying to get some coin on. Yep. All right. Well, let's get to these tips and a quick preview of the games because we've gone uh, for a bit here, but we kick things back off Thursday night, Suncorp Stadium. It's the Broncos versus the Eels, and like we said, uh, the back line pretty much stays intact. Azarka, Oates, Staggs, Boyd, Arthurs, Milford and Croft in the halves, but the forward pack, uh, Pangai Jr., obviously suspended. Fafita's still got some time off that surgery and lodges in the extended squad, but he's not named to start. McCulloch's gone, but Alex Glenn comes back into the back row. Offa Hengawi goes back onto the bench, and Hopawate gets another start in the back row. So I think, again, if there was a time for Parramatta to play Brisbane, this is not a bad time to get him. Parramatta basically gone the exact same side that they finished with. Um, the only difference is Murata Niakore goes into lock over Nathan Brown, who's suspended, and Ray Stone joins the bench to potentially cover for Marnie for 2024. Well, he will. Arthur said that he, Marnie will only play 60 minutes max. Yep. Well, who do you like in the, the kickoff game? Oh, no idea. Every man on deck, I would have gone Brisbane. I'll probably lean power. Away from home in the trouble, that's going to hurt. I, I don't know. Yeah, close one, I'll pick power. Yeah, I'm going to go similar. And again, I think this is one of those ones I look at. It's going to be hard for everyone week one. Like, tipping's a nightmare because. My, my, my best advice for this weekend would don't be not bet. To bet. Yeah, I was don't about bet. to say, I don't have a best bet this week because after a couple of weeks training, all these adjustments and no time together, it's going, I think it's going to be clunky for a couple of weeks. If, if you're going to bet, take the underdog with the points. Yeah. That's probably a, probably your best bet. Whatever um, you do, don't take shit lines like two and a half, minus and stuff like that. I'd stay away from that. Yeah. This this is the time for try scorers. If you think this, is probably, this is probably a, a game like you just either team to win by a try. Yeah. yeah it's, I, I don't know. I, or just take, take the points. There, there's money to be made this weekend, no doubt, but... It's just hard to know. I'd probably just, again, side with the underdog because we're really, we're just unsure, aren't we? We're in mm. the unknown. Well, I think there's going to be a big ask on the Brisbane bench, which, again, doesn't really matter when you've got a pack that plays huge minutes, but Farnworth is there as a utility. Offer Hengawe, Reese Kennedy and Bullimore. Bullimore's a rookie who's played one game. Kennedy's only playing 15 to 20 minutes, and Offer Hengawe didn't play prior to the break, so... Uh, I think there's going to be a big minute ask on Haas, as always. Flagler and Carrigan will play big minutes, but, yeah, there's, there's a big expectation on those guys, I think. Yeah. So we're both on the Eels. Second game, Friday night early game, Cowboys versus the Titans. Cowboys, Michael Morgan missing up until round seven, and Gavin Cooper is out. So Jake Clifford is in the halves there to play with Drinkwater and Mitchell Dunn. I'm a big fan of. He's in the back row. Shane Wright joins the bench. And on the Titans side of things, massive reshuffle. Tyrone Roberts is now the fullback. 
Tyron Peachy goes to the centres and Kelly is out. Philip Semi, who had two cracker games now on the wing. Ash Taylor to six and Jamal Fogarty, as I said before, a Titans junior. The whole way through, played a game of first grade at Parramatta, has been huge for uh, the Burley Bears in a few years there, winning player of the year a couple of times in Q Cup. He's now your halfback. So, Fotuaka. What's the start of this game? Point wise. Oh, sorry, I should have done that for the last game as well. The last game, as we said, close game, is the pick with the bookies. It's $1.90 a piece for the Broncos and the Eels, and the Lions minus one and a half with the North Queensland Cowboys versus Titans game. It's eight and a half. Yeah, so this is a game where I wouldn't mind taking the points with the Titans. I, I probably won't, but... Uh, head to head. pretty unconvincing. Like, the Cowboys come out and just play best, their best footy. They, they roll through the Titans, but if they're off... Like they were in the first two weeks of the um, prior to the season being suspended, then there's there's every chance the Titans could win the game. Mm. Well, I think the big thing again, look at this forward pack: Fotoaka off-season surgery now off the break. Lasone Proctor hip grave is now starting an arrow. Uh, like stronger forward pack than what we had prior to the lockdown. Maguire, McLean, Dunn, Hess, Tumala. Like seriously, if the Cowboys Hess, Maguire, and McLean get on the back of Tumala and actually do a job. They've got a much more experienced pack that they should do a good job. But like I said before, Maguire yet to prove a point. McLean's been injured and up and down, and Cohen Hess has not been quite the same since his first season. It's year three now. He had a flat year last year. He needs to step up. It's longer than that, isn't it, Cohen Hess? I'm pretty sure it's year three. No, he played the grand final side, didn't he? Uh, don't think so. Mm. I think this is year three. I think twenty eighteen. I think it's been longer than that. You've got another debutant. I think Aaron Clark, from memory, is a former Warriors junior. I don't think he's played a game in the NRL. He's on your bench to debut. Shannon Boyd, Jared Wallace on the bench, also with Whitbread. So, I'm sticking with the Cowboys. It's at their stadium. Um, they've still got the better side in my eyes, but I, I guess the big thing, does this Ford pack do the job? They need to do a job. Can Clifford take control? And play with Drinkwater. Drinkwater beat him out for that start role. What's his confidence going to be like with Morgan missing? Uh, and watching Holmes again after a break. It was already going to take him some time to work his way back into things. But, yeah, after another stoppage, how does he go? And I'll be interested to watch your spy now with Fogarty in there and Roberts at fullback. Mm, yeah, I'll go Cowboys. Has made his debut in 2015. 2015? 2015. Shit. That long ago. Yeah, it's been, that's what I mean. That's why I've got the Cowboys with It just feels like he's still so young. Too long. You've had long enough now. Start producing. That's right. Well, Cowboys, like I said, $1.30, for the Titans. Minus 8.5 is the line. And then we move on to the Friday blockbuster. Really looking forward to this one. Roosters versus the Rabbitohs. As far as the Roosters go, uh, Josh Morris now at the club. Goes straight into the centres with Manu. Tupo and Morris, the wingers. Tedesco. Flanagan back there with Kiri. Uh, Liu starts with Jared in the front row. Friend, Corden is back in the back row with Crichton. Radley's at lock and on the bench. They've got Verrills, Tupanua, Butcher, Collins, Tokiao, as I said, 18th man. There's no reason given as to why, but uh, Orbison is out due to some family reasons, so he's not there, but they've obviously got great cover uh, with guys like Nat Butcher who can play back row or middle, and you've got Crichton who can play centre, so there's plenty of cover. For South, Latrell's been named at fullback. I don't think he'll... He won't last the game there. I think they'll rotate as they always did. Braden's well, they got Johnson on the bench. He's on the wing. 
Johnston because yeah, Roberts Roberts is not available. So Campbell Graham's in the centres with Burns. Gagai's on the other wing. Troy Dargan is in to debut on the halves. He's followed Wayne Bennett uh, from Brisbane. He come from Parramatta originally. was an Australian schoolboy. He gets a start with Cody Walker suspended. And the forward pack, Totola, Cook, Burgess, Sua, Murray, and Knight. But the bench is what worries me. Nichols is straight up and down. Siren is a solid player. Low, you know, I'd rather him start, to be honest, if he's going to be in that side. And then you've got Mago. Mago is the one I think who can make an actual impact off the bench for him. But I, I think after the stoppage and things being as they have been, I think this is right up the Roosters' alley. Yeah, I'm all over the Roosters in this game. If I was going to have a bet, this is probably one that I wouldn't mind having a crack at. I don't know what it is, but... I get a feeling about the Roosters, and they are a dollar thirty-six. South a three ten. The line is minus seven and a half. No, I'm not betting on that. I wouldn't take the line, but yeah. I wouldn't take. I wouldn't take any any of that. Dollar thirty-six. No thanks. No, shorter than I was expecting, but yeah. I like the Chookies to get up. Saturday kicks off Central Coast. The Warriors versus the Dragons. Like we said, a bit light in the forward pack. Uh, you've got starting in the front row: Lachlan Burr and Jermaine Tanoa Brown, who only just made his debut. Uh, back row, Papali, Harris, Blair, good back row. But on the bench, you got Parsi and Alessia Katoa. Thought he might have got a start again, but they obviously need some impact. And King Vunayayuawa. Uh, and their back line, no surprise. Actually, Fusitua still missing, so he must either be injured or back home. I don't know what's going on there. I thought he, he, was he, didn't, he didn't travel. Not originally, no. I thought he was oh. over here now, but he's not, so... Mar- no, they're, not fly, they're not going to fly a plane out just for one person. No, nah, and Beal, he's back in the side after being out injured. So, uh, interesting to see that. But for the Dragons, no excuses on their side. I think everyone's back on deck. So, Dufty's been named at fullback. Lomax is now in the centres with Willie Armo. They've pushed Lafay and Aiken out. Pereira and Ravalawa, the wingers. Norman and Hunt. Corbin Sims starts in the front row of Vaughan. McInnes is back at nine. Tyson Frizzell, Tarek Sims. James Graham is a lock. So... More minutes, I don't know, but uh, I, I think for me, they're talking about his future recently. Oh, I think it's time to go back and play in England, to be honest. I, I wouldn't be signing him if I was an NRL club. Um, no, I agree. The bench, Josh Kerr, Blake Laurie, Fuimano, and Aiken. As I said, Fuimano was great the first two games. Laurie does a good job. Kerr needs to meet his potential. If th- those guys can pull their weight and Sims can stay healthy, Corbin, that is, and help out in the front row, maybe they've got a chance to win a couple of games, but. Yeah, I'm on the Dragons here. I'm on the Dragons, but I think this is going to be a hard one first up just because I think the Warriors will have plenty of emotion. But if they can weather the first 20 or 30 minutes, uh, yeah, I think they get home. But the odds, they're a dollar. The Dragons can't go 0 and 3. No, surely not. And expect to play finals footy in a short season. So. Well, they're a dollar 60. The Warriors, 235, minus 3.5 is the line. Second game on the Saturday. Sharks versus the Tigers. Will Kennedy's at fullback. Matt Moylan still on an extended bench. Sione Katawa, Mulitalo. Dugan goes into the centre for Sherry with Ramian. Fafita in the front row with Braley, Woods, and the gun back row of Nakora, Graham, and Jack Williams. The bench, Connor Tracy, Hamlin Ueli, Rudolph, Sorensen. And uh, Chad Townsend broke his thumb apparently only a couple of weeks ago. He's playing in the halves uh, for the Tigers, like we said. Two major reshuffles, the fullback Dewey and Harry Grant straight to nine. So completely different spine to round one. And Byers healthy, he's back, he's playing in the centres. Robert Jennings on a wing. Uh, the Leilua brothers will be on the same side of the field again. Luke Garner back in the back row. Twal has been moved to lock and Ally A 
is playing front row. With McKaylee and the bench, they've gone with Oliver Clark, Chris Lawrence, Billy Walters as the utility, and Alex Safarth, a young guy coming through their system who plays in the middle. Fiery Redhead is getting a debut by the looks of things. Yeah, I'm going to ride out um, the Tigers here in a bit of an unknown game. Uh, But yeah, I'll I'll jump on the Tiki Tigers. It hasn't been a great week for the Sharks, but they generally thrive in this sort of stuff. So I'm going to go the Sharks, but not with a whole lot of confidence. Uh, And the odds on this one, the Sharks are favourites at $1.75, 2.10 for the Tigers, minus 2.5 is the line in that game. So a bit of value there, Brock, if you like the Tigers. To finish off Saturday night, the blockbuster down at Amy Park, Melbourne, versus the Raiders. Uh, good game after the way the last two games finished up last year, especially that finals loss where they came back. Pappenhausen at fullback, Vunavalu and the Fox, Adokar on the wings, Olam and Seve, the centres, Munster, Jerome Hughes at the halves, Bromwich, Smith, Osofa, Solomona, Kafusi, Bromwich, Nuken on the bench, Brandon Smith and Christian Welch both back with Tino, Fasumalua and Max King has a spot there over Tui, who is out with a back injury. Uh, and for the Raiders, Nickel Clogstad, Simonson, uh, Croker, Scott, and Kotrick. It's a good back five. White and Williams in the halves. Papali, Hodgson, Louie, Tapines in the back row. Why Bateman is out with Whitehead. Horsberg goes to Locke. And on the bench, Gula, who's had a great start to the year. Havili. Sia Soliola and Oldfield is 17, and they've got Rapana as 18th man. Yeah, I like the Storm. I, I just think there'll be a little bit of revenge in it. Um, where's this game being played? At Melbourne, Amy Park. Yeah, Melbourne. Yeah, I'm going Melbourne. Melbourne. Start back uh, off, like you said, two losses. Uh, they'll be keen as mustard. And especially off the break, them travelling down there, I'll, I'll be sticking with Melbourne. Yeah, Raiders love love playing them, but don't they? These seasons are always good games. So yeah, this one's going to be a ripper. Wouldn't surprise me, but it's a, it's a little bit different. Got a bit of a different feel about it. Um, I'm excited to see this game. Though. It's going to be a cracker. Yeah, 100% agree. And the odds, Melbourne are the favourite, $1.65, 225 for the Raiders. Minus 3.5 is the line here. Sunday. The other battle of the undefeateds, we've got all three sets of undefeated teams going head-to-head. Brisbane and the Eels, obviously undefeated. Storm and the Raiders and the other game, Panthers versus Newcastle. But both with some significant changes. Penrith only one, but it's a big one. It's their halfback in Nathan Cleary missing for the Newcastle Knights since the break. Uh, obviously, Ponga suspended for this game. So Tex Hoy, who had a massive preseason, a good junior coming through, he makes his debut at fullback. Uh, you've got Connor Watson playing nine. McCulloch's not in the 21 at all. He's only just arrived at the club. He's replacing Jaden Braley and Mitch Barnett, as I said, out with that neck injury. So uh, Penrith looking a bit more settled. I heard that Dylan Edwards was good to go, but he hasn't been named in the 21 at all. So Aikens is still at the back. Mansour, Farre, Naden, To'o, Burton at six, Luai at seven. Tarm out, Chorus out, Fisher Harris, kick out with Kate Well, great back row, and Yo is the lock. Stephen Crichton on the bench, Zane Tedavano, Moses Leota, Liam Martin. Uh, and there's another debut on that flip side. Not only Tex Hoy, but Chris Randall, who they've upgraded, is making his debut, another hooker off the bench. Uh, Big wraps on him. Few changes in their side, so for that reason, I'm going to go with Penrith, but there's some good players to look out for there. Look out for Tex Hoy. I'm going to go the Knights. I look at Penrith's spine and go, mm, 
I'm just not sure whether there's a lot of... I think Cleary unlocks a lot of the guys around him in the spine. There's not a real organiser there. Like, Burton's a bit of a runner. He's not a real organiser. So I don't see a lot of points in Penrith with that spine makeup. So I, I, don't, I really don't know. It's it's difficult. You've got Hoy debuting as well for Newcastle. And, you know, you've got Watson playing nine with McCulloch not there. So there's a lot of moving parts in these teams certainly won't be at their strongest uh, on Sunday, but I'll, I'll lean Newcastle, but like you said, Penrith are probably a little bit more settled. I just think Newcastle might have more points in them. Well, I really like the forward pack, so, uh, you know, Clemmer, Safidi, uh, those guys going up against Tarmow, Fisher-Harris, Kikau, Katewell. I'm, I really like Katewell, Yo. Uh, I think this would be a good challenge for Newcastle, but those few other changes, the two nines, the new fullback, uh, I'll, I'll stick with the Panthers, but the odds with that one uh, the Penny Panthers, $1.70, 2.15 for the Knights and the line, minus two and a half. And the last game of the round to close out the opening round, the Manly Seagulls versus the Bulldogs. Manly basically couldn't be in any better of shape. Uh, Tommy Turbo, Tafua, Parker Suli, Garrick, Walker, and Cherry Evans, the Haas, Fanua Blake, Tapia, Levi in the front row, Thompson, Sierra, and Trebojevic back row. And on the bench, Corey Waddell's back from injury, as is Taniela Paseca. Sean Kepi has a spot there, and Lachlan Croker there to cover nine and halves for the Bulldogs. Dallin, Nick Meany, Remus, Hopawate, Crichton, Lachlan Lewis, Cogger is back in now in the halves. Avarillo's gone back to the bench. Suaso Sue is now in the forward pack. Marshall King, Napa, Jackson, Britt, Elliott, Renoff, Tormaga, Fatala Mariner, Ofahiki, Ogden. Uh, obviously, like we said, the two big changes. Corey Harrow and Ira, massive loss. Um, but, you know, given the circumstances, you can't blame the Bulldogs for what they did. Four of them are supposed to be healthy. Now they're talking that he might have strained a hamstring again. So Cogger's back oh, in. Um, yeah, I think they're always good nuisance value. But in this situation, uh, if I was going to have a bet on somebody this round, it probably would be Manly. Yeah, Manly. Manly, Manly, Manly. Not in, yeah. It's I back the Bulldogs with your money. No, it's helped them get healthy, that's for sure. Uh, this break and got a few of those guys off surgeries a little extra time, and they are a dollar thirty with the bookies. Three fifty are the dogs minus seven and a half is the line. Yeah, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't even be taking the seven and a half. No, wouldn't take the points. Yeah, I can't believe. I can't believe the Titans have got eight and a half, and the dogs have got only got seven and a half. Mm. Interesting. Interesting. Like we said, just looking at some other markets before we quickly move on. Premiership odds: Melbourne are five dollars, Parramatta five fifty, Raiders six dollars, Roosters seven dollars, Manly nine fifty, Brisbane ten, uh, Penrith fifteen, South now all the way out to sixteen dollars, and then outside of them, Newcastle nineteen, Cowboys nineteen, Sharks twenty nine, and I wouldn't be going any further than that. And that's a stretch. But yeah, Tigers fifty one, and everyone else is a hundred and one dollars. Besides the Titans at two hundred and fifty one bucks. Oh, they should be a million to one. Minor Premiership Storm again, favourite four dollars. Parramatta five fifty, along with the Raiders seven fifty for the Roosters. I think those four are probably the most likely to win a minor Premiership. Uh, if you like, yeah, not the Roosters. I wouldn't think now. Oh and two, it's going to make it hard short and comp, but they could. I'd, I'd be on Melbourne though. Yeah, they're four two bucks. And, two and zero, probably the most consistent team. Yeah. So I'd, yeah, that's certainly where my pennies would be. And there you go. There's just a few markets. If it's not para, what, what price for para? Minor premiers. Para matter of five fifty. 
and the Raiders are five fifty also. Yeah, if I was going to have a bet outside of Melbourne, it'd be Para. There you go, bro. Just considering, yeah, just considering that they've they're going to spend a, a hell of a lot of time at Bank West. I know that they're not going to have the home crowds to play in front of, but they're going to have minimal travel. So that that's got to be of some advantage. But uh, yeah, no, I'd have me pennies on on the Storm. Yep. Well, there you go. We're back. Did we un- did we understate the impact that travel is going to have on Melbourne? Maybe. Because they're going to have to travel up and back on the same day. Is that right? They're yeah, I, I think a few. That's the thing, though. Like people are blind. Bellamy's up. spoken about that. That was a little bit of a an issue. Yeah, well, they when they played the game against the Sharks up here, they didn't get home until two thirty the day after, mm. in the morning. But it's they're not the only ones. Like when Brisbane travelled down, they're going to have to fly. The Cowboys may play at home this week, but yeah, they're no, going to have to fly. I understand that, but I think it probably places the teams in the Sydney Basin at a bigger advantage, doesn't it? I'd agree with you, but I, I'm just basically backing, like I said before, that it's not going to last the whole year, and I think the quality... Yeah, of, okay, then that's a fair point, too. The, the quality of a few of those sides, I just think, is going to be able to overcome. So if Canberra can get through this first, say, you know, six to seven weeks and things get a little bit better with the travel situation, uh, I think Canberra are fine. I think Melbourne will adjust. I think the one who's at the biggest disadvantage, again, uh, even though rightly or wrongly they're not a premiership contender, is the Warriors, because they obviously have to stay here, so... Out of your contenders, though, yeah, Canberra's definitely the one hardest done by. But for everyone blowing up about it, I'm like, well, again, it's not a normal circumstance, and I'd like to think that it's not going to last the whole season. Hopefully it doesn't. Yeah. But I think they're good enough and resilient enough to push through this first six to eight weeks, and by then, hopefully, they're all back playing in their own stadiums. Yeah. But there you go. We're back. Plenty of news. Bit of a run-through on all our teams again. How these rules affect everything? Do things change? Does someone come out of the ground? Does somebody surprise? We don't know. But most importantly, after, what has it been, seven or eight weeks, we finally got back the NRL. Ten weeks, I think. I think it's ten really? weeks. Wow. Yeah. By the time it, it kicks off again, um, I think it might be might be ten weeks. Well, more importantly, a lot of people said there'd be no sport this year, but things have obviously worked out very, very well. But the first sport in Australia... Rugby leg, excellent. It'll actually be eleven weeks. Wow, there you go. Yeah. I thought people so, said this was going to be like round nine or something. I don't know. I've lost track of time. Isolation. Ah uh, no, sorry. Hang on. So we kicked off on the twelfth, didn't we? Rug, rugby leg on the twelfth and shut down on the twenty eighth. I think it or twenty ninth. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. It'll be eight weeks. It was eight weeks on Sunday. So yeah, just over. It'll be eight and a half weeks since the last game. Well, it's back. Thank God. Long enough. Long enough. And I get to finally say what we usually say, which everybody out there enjoy your week and enjoy your rugby league. Bring it on, give us more, give us more. Where are you going? Where, what, 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 what's going on here? Is that it? Is that it? Mom 
deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.